This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Today, Rado Talk Show episode 68 of the podcast, which is brought to you by Merchants of the Dark Road. And I've got to say, folks, I am so excited. My copy of Merchants of the Dark Road just showed up. I've set it up, and it is just gobsmackingly gorgeous. These have got to be some of the prettiest dice I have ever seen in any game. I want to use these in all my games. They are so lovely. And the gold foil they put on all the merchant wares after you upgrade them from regular to deluxified versions. Oh, my God gosh, this is such an above and beyond. It just looks gorgeous. But as great as the game looks, that is nothing compared to just how much fun it is to play. Now, I did a run-through when it was on Kickstarter. You could learn a bit more about the game by watching me play it. But, uh, in a nutshell, this is a really interesting mix of dice worker placement that happens in multiple tiers, um, you know, goods collection, rondelle action, uh, where each space on the rondelle gives you access to two different spaces. So you have a lot more flexibility than your average Rondell-style game. But while you're doing all of that stuff to be a merchant and get a whole bunch of contracts and uh, people who are looking for uh, taxi service to one of the various towns out in the countryside, sooner or later you're going to decide to hit leave the uh, big city behind and travel to Scorchbourne or Windglass or Far Glen or whatever. And... If when you decide to do that, I can anticipate it and see it coming. I can see you're getting ready for a big expedition. It behooves me to try to get some goods that would want to go to Far Glen as well so I can hitch a ride on your wagon. I can become part of your caravan, which means you incur the risk and the danger and the cost of whatever we might run into on the dark road. You never know what'll happen, but I get to tag along and I, I a little bit, uh, you know, at stake as well. But either way, on your turn, I get to make deliveries too. So a major part of the game has always been anticipating where your opponents are heading next, what they're up to, so that you can benefit from their plans as well. And the game is just crackerjack fun. I'm really looking forward to playing it with Jen. And um, so if you're thinking about picking this up, well, if you're heading to Gen Con this year in 2022, the publisher, Elf Creek Games, they're going to be in booth 2569. And you should definitely swing by because they will have copies of Merchants of the Dark Road. Um, and man, will they have the deluxe edition? I don't know. I'm just so happy with the regular edition I've got set up here. They'll also have other games I've been talking about in recent podcasts as well. So definitely swing by. If you're lucky, you might even be able to get a sneak peek at their next big game, which I know, I believe they've already booked all the slots for their private demos, but maybe they'll have it set up there, maybe if you ask real nice. Anyway, folks, tell them Rado sent you over at booth 2569 because Elf Creek Games, their production is second to none. All their games are super smartly designed, really gorgeous. This Andrew Bosley art is just the bee's knees. And that's the sponsorship out of the way. And we can continue now, folks, with the actual episode of the podcast. And oh my gosh, we have a lot of questions came in. Really makes up for last month's where we were a little... uh 
a little short on questions. You folks over-delivered, so I don't think I should waste any more time. We should get right to it, although I will, as always, um, beg and plead if you could send more questions to the email address, questions at rotto.com, so we will have stuff ready for next month's podcast. And I just want to apologize, by the way, that this month's episode came a little late. I had some scheduling snafus with Jen, and I really should have had this up almost two weeks ago, but better late than never. The month isn't over yet. The July episode is finally here, but that means there's going to be less time between the July and the August episode. So I need those questions. Stat. Don't leave me hanging, folks. And uh, right. Now, let's get to it, starting with the game stuff, then the personal stuff. Let's go. Okay, folks, so many questions showed up at questionsatraw.com. I'm very excited, but I still need questions for next month, folks. So you know what to do. Send your questions to questionsatraw.com. But let's get going. Starting with a question from Alexander, who um, wonders, have I heard anything from a port of games about their upcoming title, Revive? And then um, Alexander wonders, will there be a run-through? And um, he says, if I haven't, I should check it out. The designers and theme, believe it'll pique my interest. You are correct, um, Alexander, I am very excited about Revive. Um, and here's here, here's breaking news, everyone, uh, revealed for the first time. Uh, they contacted me, a port of games, a week ago and said, you know, the, the game is not going to be ready until Eschenspiel. They're, you know, they're targeting that. But they are going to have the, pu- the, uh, the print house make one copy, one full put-together copy, and they're going to send it to me. I should be getting it sometime in late August, so I'm hoping to get it played and filmed in September, a full month before the show. And I cannot wait to check it out, folks. Uh, it looks very, very good. A big, crunchy, heavy game from Aporta. You know, this is the uh, oh, was it the magnificent Santa Maria? Um, you know, they, you know when they when they make big, crunchy games, and this is their latest one. It's a post-apocalypse game where we're rebuilding the world and stuff like that, reviving. So it looks really, really neat. I will be doing a world-exclusive coverage for it in September, and after I'm done, I'm going to put it right back in the box, and I'm going to send it to Jeremy Howard of Man vs. Meeple. And I imagine he'll, because he's even more excited than you and me combined, Alexander, and so I think he'll probably be doing some solo coverage of it uh, before Essen as well. So that is the plan as of today. You heard it here first, folks, on the Rotto Talks Group podcast. Podcast. Thanks for the question, Alexander. And yes, everybody who likes my show and maybe likes the kind of stuff I like should be excited about Revive. Okay. Next up, we've got um, a big old email from Ben, who says, My wife and I are getting to the point of wanting to branch out from the base pandemic, but I'm not sure if I should buy an expansion, one of the spinoffs, or both hot zones. I think Legacy will come somewhere down the road of the various non-Legacy expansion spinoffs. Which is your favorite for each of you. And he asked this, he was hoping Jen would answer, and Ben, I'm going to apologize right now. There is no way Jen was going to answer that question. Um, uh, Because, you know, a week after she's played a game, she has pretty much completely forgotten all the particulars of it. In the same way, a week after she's watched a TV show, she has forgotten all the particulars, or a movie, or a book. Uh, You know, her brain is completely devoted to storing facts about glass and um, our personal finances. So, you know, entertainment stuff, you know, it's in one ear, out the other for her. I can tell you, Jen's answer to that is, the first time we played the two Hot Zone little mini-pandemic combined, because you can combine them to make a two-player super game, Jen said, I think this is the best way I've ever played Pandemic. So, 
if she could play all of them back to back, that would probably be her answer. It wouldn't be my answer. I think that's great. It's a wonderful way to play. But um, you're in luck because a year ago, I did a countdown of all the mechanisms of all of the offshoots of Pandemic. Broke them down, explained what they did, uh, and I did it with uh, Lizzie, who I call the queen of Pandemic. Uh, she has her own show, Long Distance Gamers, and she and I sat down for a couple of hours breaking down in really hardcore detail, all the different things that all the expansions do. And we did two countdowns. One, our favorite mechanisms, and then in the second half of the show, we did our favorite expansion standalone spinoffs. So, do a search for Rado, or Rado Long Distance Aimer Top 10 Pandemic. You will find that, and you will get all the info you need. And if you want Jen's answer, she would combine the two hot zones. Okay. Next up, uh, Ben continues that uh, I love, been loving the ease of access with the podcast. Uh, across platforms now that I'm using Anchor.fm, which um, I'm not getting paid to say this right now, folks, but Anchor.fm is fantastic. If you've ever considered doing a podcast, why are you not using Anchor.fm? It makes everything so easy. It's free. It does all the propagation. Oh, man, my life is so much easier. And so Ben apparently is happy too. But one thing Ben says has been missing uh, is the old Blogspot blog site that I used to use to manage everything. It was handy because that was a page where one could search uh, for a, a given question from a previous episode and find it. Just do a search for the whole thing. I, that never occurred to me, but I guess that is pretty cool. And um, I usually listen to the Google Podcast or Patreon, uh, but no search episodes. I have opened them up one time. Yeah, to, to search for something, you have to open up one time and look through it. Not a big deal. But, I mean, I guess Ben is wondering, can is there a way to do this? Uh, is there a way where that function might be available? That is one thing um, Anchor.fm sadly does not do. It is a great suggestion, especially for a show like mine, where I've got, what, 80-some episodes now? I forget what episode number I'm on. And each episode in the show notes, I've written down every single question that's ever been asked. So if you're looking for something. Um, but, yeah, as far as I know, they do not offer that functionality. But you are in luck. Because... Two years ago, I think, I started putting the podcast on YouTube as well. And all the questions are there. So, I believe... Let me try this. Let me uh, go to the browser and let me do a search for YouTube Rotto Talks Through and a topic that would have been in a podcast. Pandemic. Pan I'm sure... I've, I've, I've answered many questions about pandemic over the years, including the one just today. So, if I do that, Google says, hey... I talked about the real pandemic in episode 77, in episode 79, in episode 81, in episode 80, um, in episode 83, in episode 85, in episode 78. All right, okay. Oh, wait. Oh, whoops. I think I have to click this. Must include pandemic. Okay, so that was wrong. Then you click must include pandemic. Oh, which basically the search is YouTube, Rado Talks Through, and then the word pandemic in quotes. It'll tell you every one because all of these things are searchable. Then it gets into some other stuff. So it looks like that might be a way. Of, you know, I don't know if it's perfect. It's it's showing several. Like, I mean, let's let's do this for Gloomhaven. I've talked about Gloomhaven a lot too, right? Haven. Let's see what happens if I do that. I talked about Gloomhaven in episode 65, 75, 71, 56, 58, 63, 52. Um, oh, and then of course I, I did a Gloomhaven live stream episode 25. Okay, that's what I want to see. Is it going back further? I talked about Gloomhaven stickers back in June of 2017 in episode 25 of the podcast. So it looks like, Ben, you can. It's not perfect, but it's something. Um, sorry, you know, so hopefully that helps a little bit. 
Okay. Um, bah, 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 bah. Okay. When storing it, Ben continues. More questions. When storing expansions with base games, do I usually try to fit as much as possible into the smallest box possible, or do I have certain games where I prefer to keep the expansion in own boxes? I definitely do the former. Wherever possible, I scrunch everything down into the smallest expansion box I can, just so I have more room. Whenever possible, I always do that. There's only been a few times when I couldn't, or at the very least, put all the expansions in the base game. Sometimes, some games you just can't do it. And in those cases, I got the base game and an expansion box. I hate that. It's just wasting table space. But sometimes it happens. Also, Ben continues, do I have everything except the rule book for Shadowrun Crossfire in the high caliber ops box? Yes, I do. I do have that. I tried everything to fit. Definitely need more room. I wasn't sure. Well, you know, actually, you're in luck again, Ben. Do a search for my video I did for Shadowrun Crossfire High Caliber Ops. I actually opened the box and did an unboxing showing how I squeezed everything, as you said, except for the rulebook, in there. And that included the sticker sheets and the uh, different mission uh, and all of it. You can do it. It required rubber bands to keep the cards kind of together. Although, um, if you don't like that, you could use Hugo's Magic Tape instead. That would be an alternate. It certainly wouldn't work if you sleeve your cards, but I don't like sleeving cards. So yes, it is doable. Check out my, um, you know, do a search for Rado, Shadowrun, High Caliber. You'll find the video. You'll see how I squeezed it all in. You know, against all odds. Lastly, says Ben, how, Ben is really all about boxes today. How many boxes do I use for Agricola? Ben has the revised edition Farmers of the Moor decks A through D and maybe Dreaming. Would love to be able, I, I can't do it either. Um, Agricola is one of those games. When I had my original version of Agricola, I had on the shelf the original box, the Expansions of the Moor box, and a special wooden um, component um, box that I bought at Essen one year to keep all of the wooden components. That doesn't stay on the shelf. That stays above the shelf. Do I still have that? Oh, do I? Because when I got the revised edition, I found that I could squeeze everything into the revised box plus the Farmers on the Moor box. But the original version, because I had so much stuff, I actually had to have three boxes. There's no way you can do it. Although, as I understand it, I think Agricola is getting a big box version pretty soon. This year is part of like, I don't know, 15th anniversary or something like that. So maybe, maybe, Ben, you should look into that. And maybe it's time to jettison all your current stuff and get that big box when it comes out. I know I'm thinking about it. Okay, so there were some questions from Ben. Let's move on to C for Cat. I tried to do these in alphabetical order. Cat says, in your last podcast, you were asked by Sam why you left Reddit. You explained that you left because having conversations with people on the board game uh, subreddit who were negative for the sake of being negative was unproductive. That's a that's a that's a nice way to put it. Um, uh, I, I, I you oh I'm doing this weird thing where I keep switching tenses. I'm reading this in my own voice. I'm reading it in Cat's voice. Sorry, folks. I, I know I, I sometimes mix up. I mean, Cat continues. I couldn't change their mind, nor could I turn their frown upside down. Yes, that is very true. I talked about this, I think, in the last episode. Cat um, agrees with my conclusion based on um, my perception, but 
A, a cat asks to allow to challenge my perception. Okay, I'm going to read this as it is. I'm going to stop trying to switch tenses. All right, so cat continues. The purpose of having a conversation on Reddit is not to talk directly to one person, but more to have a conversation with one person while tens, hundreds, or perhaps thousands of people are watching. Numbers, depending on the subreddit and thread in question, of course, uh, depend. Uh, I see a Reddit conversation as a chat with one person in a hall where there are many spectators. While I agree you're probably not convincing the person directly, uh, they needed to consider some positive counterpoints. It's entirely possible that a lot of people reading who may have had similar thoughts were convinced by your arguments. I put it to you! Your efforts were not in vain! For me personally, says Kat, I learn the most by reading replies on Reddit, not engaging in conversations. That's very healthy, Kat. It's actually a small minority of people who comment in chat. Uh, Most people read, similar to how YouTube videos may have thousands of you, but only four comments. So my question says Kat. Would you consider my point valid? And if so, would you consider re-engaging with the Reddit community in the future? I feel the silent majority who prefer to read that uh, content like me lose value when people like you stop contributing. Whatever the effort, stress, and time invested from people like you is worth it, I'm not sure whether it is. And I cannot say, uh, as it's not fair for me to tell people what to do with their time so that others can benefit, I mainly wanted to show a different perspective and hope you can take that into account and maybe even change your decision. Kat, I agree with you 100%. In all honesty, that used to be my entire raison d'etre uh, on all of the internet. I, for years, posted on Usenet, well before Reddit ever existed. And I always tried to be, well, not always, but for the most part, tried to be a positive source of, hey, here's why good things are good. Although, man, if you ever go back and search through the old um, Rec Games EverQuest forum, I was not a very positive. But I, 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 tr- I tried to be constructively critical of that game back when I was playing EverQuest back in the day. But for the most part, as I've gotten older, I have less time for complaining and grousing and more time for celebrating the things I like rather than tearing apart the things I don't like. Who's got time for that? How does that make your life better? Um, yeah, I guess it scratches some um, dopamine itch to you know get your complaints out and, and, and be heard, but I found I am always happier when I'm singing praises. It, it lifts the spirit. And if you yourself, whoever is listening or watching this, are the type of person who just likes to go on the internet and complain about stuff, can I suggest just spending a week, don't complain about things, instead post about things you really love and that make you happy? I suspect you'll be surprised by the results. Anyway, though, as an aside, Kat, you are 100% right. My goal was always to not really worry about the person in front of me, but the silent group of people who are sitting around on the fence who could go either way, yeah, that really sucks, or, oh, maybe there's something good there. I was always categorically aware of that. And that's why I kept telling myself. But it didn't change the fact that I was personally miserable dealing with miserable people spreading misery nonstop. I'm a really positive, upbeat person. I am incredibly susceptible to, um, you know, because we all are. Uh, you know, I mean, a hundred people could say a really great thing about a video, but I will obsess about that one negative comment. And this is just human nature. It's very uh, well proven by psychology studies. It's it's not healthy. It's wrong, but it's unavoidable. And being because wherever I show up, people tend to want to respond to everything I say. It, it becomes a lightning storm. And because I tend to be a paragon of positivity, the negative uh, naysayer um, Nellies all come out and dogpile. And it just got to the point where I literally broke down, as I described in the last episode. And you're right. 
if, if I had more strength, I probably should go back. I probably should. But at the, these days, I just try to keep my positive vibes on the channel and, you know, on Patreon. And, um, I, cause I just can't do it anymore. The, you know, the, they won. They won. Um, I ran screaming from the room cause I just don't need negativity in my life. And every time I post anything online, there's a very high propensity that that's what I will attract. And if I engage with that, it will multiply. It will fester. And, and, and that's what happened with Clank in Space. And that's why I said, why am I doing this? I am making myself miserable. I just can't do it anymore. So I'm sorry, Cat. I'm not coming back. I, 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 I lurk in uh, the subgame Reddit like you. But um, I still see way too many just snipey sniperson dicks. And I just don't want those people in my life. I do not want to engage with them. So I, I can't come back, Kyle. But I, I appreciate and agree with everything you're saying. If I were a younger man, maybe I would have the strength to keep on fighting the good fight for upbeat vibes and positivity. But I'm too old for this spit, as they say in the action movies. Although I'm trying to keep it family friendly there. Okay, let's move on. Daniel says... Um, for some of your favorite designers, what would you like them to design that they haven't already? A theme or a type of game or something else? It's a good question. Um, you know, I mean, well, obviously, my favorite designers are hardcore Euro designers, you know, Alexander Pfister, Steffenfeld, Duve Rosenberg, mm, Matt Gertz. I mean, there's so many of them. Um, and I tend to like a certain type of thing. And they tend to give me that thing. So it's not like I ever sit around and say, man, I wish Uwe Rosenberg would make a really cool adventure game. Or I wish um, Stefan Feld would make a neat party game that works well for two. I, I mean, I could. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, hey, if Stefan Feld tried to take on Codenames, which is basically a party game that you can play really well as two, um, that would be amazing. I would love to see something like that. I would love to see um, Alexander Pfister kind of delve into the realms of the sort of stuff that uh, Ryan Lockett does, where he combines Euro and adventure gaming. I guess Pfister did that a little bit with... Um, oh, what is it? The uh, oh the, the game about the, the balloons. The hot air balloons in the future. I can't think of the name of it now. That's going to drive me nuts. And that was really good. But I, I don't, I, I'm happy with what I'm getting. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned this when I did a video for uh, Terracotta Army the other day. That you know, when I uh, in my final thoughts, I said, "Yep, folks, it's another beige and brown, dry, dusty Euro, and I love it. Give me more. I'm so happy. I mean, it, uh, Euro designs are made for me and for Jen, and I'm getting what I want. I so yeah. You ask, are, 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 is there something else I'd like? No, there's not. Are there be interesting things would be interesting? Sure, but. I, I got what I want, Jack. So I'm pretty happy as it is. Okay. Danny wonders, what are your favorite high rank games that have themes that you don't like? You know, I can tell you that right off the bat because it came up earlier. Um, Shadowrun Crossfire. I think it's my number two highest ranked game of all time. And I do not care for the theme at all. I, uh, you know, the, the cyberpunk meets fantasy. It's fine. I, I don't dislike it. I just don't particularly like it. So there's that one. But what else? Let's go to ranked.rado.com. Let's bring the browser back up and go to ranked.rado.com and take a quick spin because if you go to ranked.rado.com, folks, you can see all the games I have in order that I rank them. And right there at number two is Shadowrun Crossfire, which is a theme that I'm okay with. But let's scroll down and uh, see what we can get to that I actively dislike and yet it makes it. 
I actively, I mean, I mean, I like, um, I mean, I guess, and this is something that I've definitely evolved on over time. Games like Santa Maria and um, Amerigo. I, once upon a time, I was one of those players like, yeah, colonization really sucked, but I can just kind of compartmentalize and put it out of my mind and not think about what my actions really truly mean. I have a much harder time doing that these days. And, um, but these games are still amazing. Santa Maria, Amerigo, uh, didn't I just pass another one? Keyflower on, on one level is, is kind of a colonization sort of thing too. Uh, Maracaibo has elements of it. So those are games that at this point I kind of like in spite of their theme. Once upon a time when I just literally didn't think about it. Uh, and I was honestly kind of ignorant. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's bad stuff, but let's just focus on the economics. It's much harder to do that now, but there's no denying that those games are brilliant. Cloud Age! That was the Alexander Fister game I was thinking of. It's brilliant, too. Let's see. What else do I not like? Oh, I'm fine with the American West. I, I like ancient Rome. I like uh, I like dusty Euro-y type stuff. I mean, I like most of the... I mean, most of the games I like. Uh, it happens I like the subject matter. Uh, Preda Porter is a brilliant um, business simulation... Again, I don't dislike the fashion industry. I just don't care about it. Um, but, I mean, the game itself is so fantastic. So I guess that's another one that kind of ticks the box that you're looking for. Um, yeah. Oh, and then there's Amerigo. I was kind of talking about that indirectly. Uh, when I was talking about, you know, just colonization as a subject. So, I mean, there's a few. But for the most part, yeah, I tend to really like the I'm very very lucky in that there are many many examples of games I really enjoy that happen to feature subject matter that I really enjoy as well. So uh, let's go back to the word doc. Okay. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, Dan. I just jumped right into his. He had more to say. Uh, for example, uh, Danny does not like sci-fi, but um, still ranks Twilight Inferium four very high. Maybe the greatest game of all time. Perhaps this question uh, should exclude abstracts. Oh, that's a good point. But actually, for the most part, I dislike abstracts enough that I tend not to like them in spite of how good they are. Uh, they, you know, It's very rare that in abstract, I'm like, yeah, okay, I like this enough to keep it. Most of the abstracts we have, we kept because my wife likes them. She is much more comfortable with abstracts than I am. All righty. Okay, moving on. You had another question. Okay. Uh... Uh, in a recent, oops, I don't need to bold that. Why did I do that? In a recent podcast, you heard me say to Ruel, um, "You and Jen play Agricola, or no, Jen and I play Agricola. We each take ten cards of each type. Choose which cards we want to start the game with." It may or you, you may be misquoting. I, I don't remember exactly myself. Is that an official rule? Is it a house rule? Um, don't you rank your games according to rules as written? With that in mind, shouldn't that affect your ranking of Agricola? Have I caught you out laughing out loud at my own cleverness? Oh, Danny, you think you've caught me. Um, but you do agree that Agricola is superior to Caverna. Then, Danny, you got me back. Here's the deal. It's weird. I did not make this rule up. There was, at some point, I, I, Agricola... I begrudgingly accept the whole, hey, let's do a Sushi Go-style card draft at the beginning. I think it's borderline terrible. It's a horrible way to start the game. I mean, at higher player counts, it's okay, but as a two-player, it's just, blah, can we just get through this? This is garbage. And I swear, in the original edition, I have a first edition printing of Agricola, the rulebook had a section way in the back that listed variants. And these were variants from Uwe Rosenberg and the development team. And I got this approach from that. 
Now, as I understand it, I think that variant section was removed when they did the revised edition, and it's probably still going to be removed. I could be wrong about this, um, but it was originally. So, strictly speaking, if I'm right, and um, the revised edition and the new big box have taken it out, and therefore it's no longer officially a rule, I probably should knock Agricola down, and I've never thought about it until you just mentioned it. And in fact, I might do that, because I did do this for Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders used to be in my top 10 games of all time, until the the Deluxe Super reprint removed the two-player rules, just completely cut them. And so now, if you go out and buy Seven Wonders, there is no official way to play it as a two-player game. And that is ridiculous. And it really... And so... I changed my ranking of it. I dropped it down significantly because officially you can't play it as a two-player game anymore um, because the publishers decided to stop supporting that rule. Although, to be fair, in Seven Wonders' case, they kind of stopped supporting it with uh, halfway through all the expansions of the original edition. So I brought, I brought it down because I do rank them on the official rules, not on my homebrew variants. And you're right, I probably should do that for Agricola as well. I th- uh, That goes on my list of things to do, uh, Danny. I will ser- search out, was my rule only in the original game? If so, did they remove it? Then I've got to knock Agricola down a few pegs. Thank you for pointing that out. Although it's still, even with the official rules, where they took out the best rule, it's still better than Caverna. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, Donna. Oh my gosh. Taking that rule out, does that make Caverna better than Agricola? Because Caverna doesn't need it. Caverna says, hey, you know what? All the cards, they're just on the table right from the get-go. There is no draft or anything like that. Boy, you've given me some real stuff to ponder, Danny. Yikes. Anyway, uh, my, you know, uh, you're making me challenge my worldview. Okay, well done. Donna. Donna wonders if I've had a chance to check into Teespring. Um, if I recall, last month, Donna let me know that she'd, uh, she'd intended to buy a Rotto t-shirt from Teespring, but stopped during the checkout stage when um, a screen showed up saying that, hey, we'll take your info um, and sell it to uh, interested parties. And um, so you never bought that shirt. And you're right, Donna. You pointed that out. And I said, Donna, please write me back next month because that's not cool at all. I'm not happy with that. And so, oh my gosh, Donna, there are 50 billion online t-shirt manufacturers, you know, printed on demand companies out there. There's a billion of them. There are so many of them. So I spent a lot of time doing research. And I have chosen one. I am going to be switching. So if you right now, if you go to merch.rado.com, you go to Spreadshirt instead of Teespring. I pretty much dropped Teespring. Years ago, I set up Spreadshirt. I don't really know much about it. I just spread, set it up because a few people asked for it. And if you go to merch.rado.com, you can buy some gen-themed stuff and some Rado-themed stuff. But I am... Just, it's literally just a couple of days ago, I chose... I believe it's called Gelato. Let me look at that. Gelato. Is that not not or gelato.com? Is that right? Um, ba, ba, ba. Yeah, a global print on demand, a gelato.com. I am switching over to them. I read their entire declarations of what they do with data. They're very upfront that it will not ever be used for spamming. So your concern, Donna, is addressed. But I really fell in love with gelato because unlike most of these things, it just have one place where they produce and um, you know, then they ship them all around the world. They specialize in having production in 33 different countries. So wherever you are in the world, chances are there's 
there's going to be a lot less environmental impact on getting a Rado or a Gen t-shirt sent to you because it'll come much... Uh, and plus, it'll probably cost less to get to you, and it'll probably get to you much faster as well. I mean, this Meeple t University t-shirt, this took me almost two months to get, um, the one I'm wearing right now. Um, so I'm really impressed by Gelato. Plus, another thing that impressed me, you can integrate with uh, Etsy, if I recall correctly, which is how Jen sells her glasswares. So I'll be able to... There'll still be merch.rado.com where you can get stuff, and I'll be able to integrate that into Jen's online store for selling her gamer glass. So... It hasn't happened yet. I literally just made this choice uh, a few days ago. In part because the great guys at Shelfside, which is another great YouTube channel I recommend everybody subscribe to. Those guys are hilarious. They did a ton of research and they went the extra mile and got a bunch of samples and checked them out and personally confirmed that they were high quality. And I trust Shelfside, um, Ash and Dan. So that's the choice. And by this time next month, I should have everything transferred over. So Donna, I'm sorry to keep putting it on you. Ask me one more time in the next podcast and I should be able to report that merch.raw.com is up and running in a much more environmentally friendly way um, without you having to worry about you know giving away your personal details. And But thank you, Donna, for bringing it up. Because honestly, I wouldn't have given it a second thought, and I'm really glad uh, you brought it uh, to my attention. Okay. Gerald. Gerald says, I don't like memory mechanisms in board games, and I notice some games, while not requiring memory to play, do need a bit of memory to play them well. Almost all deck builders, card drafting games too. Uh, Gloomhaven, Lost Cities. Are you? Are you and I'm, I'm skipping over parts because he describes how you need to use a little bit of memory to remember what's in your deck or whatever. Um, are you fine with this type of memory aspect in games because it's at the forefront, It's because it's not at the forefront, or do you think if they mention this in the rules as a tip, uh, it might put you off the game. For example, if Pandemic's a tip, it can be helpful to remember for a turn or two the cities uh, that just got reshuffled. Uh, uh, make a note with a pen or paper. Here's the deal. You're right. Memory shows up in all kinds of games. Anytime there is a deck of cards, a deck builder, memory plays a part. Here's the deal. I don't do this when I play games in real life at conventions with other people, but when Jen and I play games... Neither of us have the patience to try to remember anything. And if I'm trying to remember, wait, did I did I already buy one of those? I think I bought two of them. In a deck builder, you're allowed to look through your discard pile. You're not allowed to look through your deck, right? So Jen, I'll say, I think I bought two. I didn't memorize this. I'm not going to write down on a piece of paper what I bought. I will just literally take my draw pile, look through the deck, say, oh, yeah, I did buy two. And then I'll just shuffle it back up. I don't care. I do not have an eidetic memory. And I have no desire to try to... Um, I just want to focus on the strategy. Jen does this too. We will always very quickly say, well, hey, you know what? I mean, we could actually look through all the discard piles, add it all up, and figure out how many of the negative event cards are still in the draw pile. There's either three or maybe there's only one. But let's stop for three minutes and count them all up. Or to heck with that. Take the pile, just look through and say, oh, look, yeah, there's two left. Reshuffle it and put it back. We are not precious enough about our games to be bothered by that. So that is how I address memory. Uh, you mentioned Gloomhaven. You know, trying to remember which um, has the um, really, really bad card, the uh, the 2x card, come out um, for the monster yet, or whatever it might be. Just look at the deck and then reshuffle it. Who cares? Uh, now, of course, this doesn't work in all games, like Aeon's End. You can't reshuffle the deck. And I do think it's important to not just be able to look and then say, oh, I'll just put it back there because I don't want to have that unfair advantage. But 
I do not want to spend the time trying to memorize everything when it's so easy just to look and then reshuffle and you're not really, you're not changing anything. You are emulating. I am simulating the concept of me having an eidetic memory. I don't have one. I simulate it by just looking and then reshuffling. That's what I do. Jen does it. We do it all the time. I would, do, I would, it's one of the reasons I like playing with people at conventions less because people at conventions will say, hey, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, what difference does it make? Here, you can look as well. We'll just shuffle afterwards. Who cares? But anyway, that's how I address that because I hate memory in games. And you're right. It's in game, it's in lots of games in little subtle ways. But usually, it's very rare that you can't have a way that you could emulate without changing the core gameplay at all and eidetic memory. Okay. Um, ba, 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 ba. All right. So you wrote a bit more about that. I don't have any data, but I've noticed often enough experience that it seems uh, gamers absolutely love a board game. They won't like the car. Oh, yeah. So if a gamer loves a board game, they most that they most likely won't like the card game version. But if they think a game is just okay and removed from a collection, there's a greater chance that the card game version would be a keeper. With these examples. Castles of Burgundy and Peloponnes, Terraforming Mars, uh, Brussels. Is this a tempting pitfall for a designer in that they will gain new fans, but most likely disappoint their greatest fans, they will spend money buying it? I don't know. Hmm. That is an interesting observation. Like you said, you have no empirical data. But anecdotally, I'll agree, that kind of feels right. I, I certainly don't find that to be the case for me personally. Uh, if I love a game, oh my gosh, here it is in card game form and I can get the same vibes, the same feels in a half the time. Yes, please. Why wouldn't you want that? Sometimes I've got a half an hour. Sometimes I've got two hours. Why not cover both? Which is usually what these card games do. They, um, you know, they, they change things as necessary to make it work with a simpler, more streamlined way and it's usually faster, like Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. Um, but you're right. I, I think I, you know, some people are just, hey, look, I like what I like, and I don't want it changed at all. Me, I love variety. If I love something, chances are I'm going to love variations on it all the more because I love it so much. I like seeing changes to it. And I don't know. Maybe I'm not the outlier. Maybe the people who get online and complain that, oh, this is garbage. You should only play the original game because they ripped the heart and soul out of it. Maybe they're the outliers. They are certainly the most common um, post you will see on BoardGameGeek. But as we discussed earlier in this podcast, there's a lot of negative Nellies out there. And they tend to be much more proactive about posting their opinions. And as uh, was a cat suggested, most positive people just tend to shut the heck up. Um, and just sit there silently. And so I don't know if it is true. I, maybe, I mean, you know, that, that would certainly be, I don't know how to do it too. I mean, because you could do a poll on Board Game Geek, but Board Game Geek um, re- reveals the results of how Board Game Geeks feel. And Board Game Geeks are a much more hardcore subset of gamers than just regular people. And I would think they'd be more prone to the, oh, you changed something I love, therefore I hate it. Um, I don't think that's a normal response. I don't, or at least it shouldn't be. It feels weird and wrong to me. But hey, yeah, that's just the way my brain chemistry works. So what do I know? Um, so, but your your actual question was: Is it a pitfall for a designer to make a card game if um, they will end up? I don't think so. I think it's brilliant. Honestly, it's ridiculous not to do it um, because if there is a game that has proven to be hugely popular and well loved. 
You could either make a completely new game that has no recognition to it whatsoever, and fingers crossed, hope it works out, or you can make a game that puts the well-loved thing, you are immediately going to get more attention for that. You are immediately going to get more eyeballs. In an industry where you know profit is razor thin, it's ridiculous not to leverage IP if you can. So I, I think it's foolish not to do this. Um, you know, because... I, I, you could be right, and it, you know, I mean, you, you could turn people off, but I suspect that's not the case. I suspect there are more positive people out there than a casual glance at Reddit or BoardGameGeek might lead us to believe. So yeah, please do it because hey, you'll get you'll get a Seven Wonders duel or the upcoming Takedo duo. Uh, I mean, and you know, uh, Kalis is a great game, but Kalis Magna Carta was phenomenal. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, and the ones you mentioned, Polyponese and Polyponese Card Game, these are great. These are wonderful. Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition could ultimately supplant Terraforming Mars. So yeah, do it, designers. Do it! I'm, I say that very selfishly. Joseph <clears throat> says, I recently got a copy of the base game of Marvel Champions. I'm loving it! What's your favorite way to play the base game? Just the base game. Well, of course, I've got 50 bajillion expansions, so I only ever play it. I only get it out when I get a new expansion so I can play it and film it in the monthly Rotto Rounds Up. If I were talking about just the base game, um, I mean, I, I, I loved playing to its strengths. I just liked... Uh, the, 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 the beautiful thing about the base game was you didn't have to do any deck building. You had so few cards, you could say, hey, I'm going to play Spider-Man Leadership. And you literally just throw all the leadership cards in and a random smattering of the... I forget what they're called, but the gray cards and then the Spider-Man cards. Because one thing I do not like about... Um, Marvel Champions is I do not like constructing decks. I didn't like it a million years ago back when I used to play Magic the Gathering um, competitively in like tournaments. Uh, um, and I do not like it in Marvel Champions. So there's just the base box. Before I got all the stuff, I would just love saying, okay, random villain, random, you know, whatever the spice things are, random encounter to throw in with the villain, and random aspect, take all the aspect cards and a random selection and just see what I get. What does Spider-Man feel like today? And and just, it's a, it's a voyage of discovery as I'm playing him. Ooh, I've got Nick Fury. Next time, Nick Fury's not there because he didn't show up randomly. That's the way I prefer to play. I love to have that sense of exploration um, with them. If you're talking about just the base box, which is what you asked. Continuing on. After playing the base game for a while, which expansions would you recommend getting next? Well, you should definitely get a big box, obviously. Which means Red Skull, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Sinister Motives, or Mad Titan Shadow. Right? Those are the four. Because you just get... I, it, it's it's just such a it's it's a I mean you get five new villains you get two new heroes um, it doesn't cost that much more you get you just get more bang for your buck so you should buy one of those four if I could only pick one of them I would probably pick Mad Titan Shadow it's weird I I talked about this um, actually if you do a search for Rado seven Marvel champions I actually did a little mini countdown and I talked at great length about the difference between what I like about Mad Titan Shadow and what I like about Sinister Motives and I wish those two could be combined to be the perfect expansion I think the mission design I think overall Mad Titan Shadow is better it has more interesting design elements. Um, the, the heroes are cooler. No, they're not cooler. The heroes are more interesting from a design perspective. I prefer Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and, um, and Spider-Gwen to Spectrum and Adam Warlock. But I do think Spectrum and Adam Warlock are more interesting from a gameplay perspective. They show more variety. 
And the, the mission designs, I mean, Mad Titan Shadow has some of the best ever. So I'd probably go with Mad Titan Shadow. But there are some elements of Sinister Motives that are so mind-bogglingly brilliant that I absolutely love to pieces. Honestly, though, uh, yeah, so I, I, I probably Mad Titan Shadow, unless... I mean, watch that little video I did. When I talk about what's in Sinister Motives, you might like that one more. All right. Then Joseph says, not a question. I just wanted to say that even though I miss weekly R&Rs, I deeply respect the decision to give yourself some more breathing room. Take care. Uh, taking care of yourself is super important. Thank you, Joseph. Yes, I. it was getting tough. I mean, I love Ruel. I love hanging out and talking with him. But every week, all the overhead that goes into filming live and all the other stuff I was doing. Because it wasn't just the R&R show I did weekly. I do the monthly uh, podcast. This I, I'm streaming this live right now. And the uh, the the roundup and, and the other stuff we'd unlock. So it just made sense. Um, right. Anyway. But thank you. Those are good questions, Joseph. Okay, let's go. Two, uh, uh, Mer- Merus wonders, every time uh, you do a run-through of a game playing solo, you're describing the differences for two players. That's great! But can I make a suggestion? Wouldn't be a problem if you could say something about how solo mode works once you play two-player mode with Jen as a second player. I mean to describe... Uh, oh, I do! I do talk about that. I mean, heck, I just I, I just literally yesterday filmed the solo Automa box for uh, Terra Mystica. And while I did a solo run-through, in the final thoughts, I did talk about my experience bringing that in. If I do it, I talk about it. And I can, I, when I can, I do it. Uh, so yes, that is something I definitely try to do, Marius. It's just sometimes... Uh, you know, if, if the rules don't officially support it, then I don't do it. And then I complain, why don't the rules officially support it? And then a few months later, the publishers go on board game and say, we officially support this now. Like, that literally happened with Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. I said, why isn't this cool solo bot brought into the two-player game? It would make it so much better! And ultimately, they did. And, um, and then I talked about that when I covered the expansion. So I do try to cover that when it's officially supported. Okay. Matt says that uh, you mentioned on R&R that the format is changing the monthly, which we just talked about a bit ago. And on the roundup, I mentioned personal stuff limiting my gameplay. Uh, Matt wonders, did uh, he miss a programming announcement or two? Hope everything is okay. Looking forward to every podcast episode. Love the energy and enthusiasm. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Matt. Yes. Um, actually, uh, it, right now we're in the game section. When we get to the personal section, I will be talking about the personal stuff that we went through recently. Um, it has to do with my mom. Uh, even, my mom died last month. And I really don't want to dwell on it too terribly much because I just don't want to start crying. But uh, yeah, that obviously really just completely upended my life. And uh, we're still dealing with the... Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, but anyway, thank you, thank you for your support, Matt. Um, I'll, like I said, I'll talk about this more um, when we get to the personal stuff. Alrighty, sorry, this is the game section. Alrighty, Olivier says, <clears throat> uh, just wondering if you know Adam Porter and his YouTube channel, Adam in Wales. He's a board game designer and reviewer. Uh, but where I find him most interesting is when he speaks out about game design. Uh, Olivier thinks that uh, both of us are among the best to explain in detail the brilliance behind design in board games, not just well, I like this because as worker placement. Thank you, Olivier. Can I just say thank you so much? Uh, the number of times I see those negative Nellies on Reddit complain about, oh, Rado never does anything other than says he loves it. And like, have you watched my videos? I go so deep into mechanisms and why this works and this works and how these things combine to create these other things. I'm a video game designer. I was a designer for... 
over two decades. I live, breathe, and eat design, and I go deep on design. But you get so many haters just saying, oh, Rado, he's just a shill. All he ever does is say that everything is the greatest 10 out of 10. And clearly, every time somebody says that, I know they don't watch my show at all. But anyway, thank you, Olivia. I really appreciate that. That's the kind of positivity I should focus on instead of the negativity. Because uh, yeah, I'm very, very proud of the observations I make when I'm actually identifying what works in a design, not just that I like it. Thank you. Uh, anyway, though, and thank you for cheering me up. Uh, all right. Uh, right. Olivia continues, I know you don't do a lot of cola, uh, collaborations um, outside of the Rotto team, but would love to hear you two talk game design. That would be interesting. That's cool. I used to do, um, you know, guest appearances on other folks' shows, podcasts, and and interviews and whatnot. They just took so much time, and I am getting older and tireder by the day. And uh, I just have a hard time um, these days. If somebody says, "Hey, could you appear on my podcast?" The best I can generally do for folks is say, "You know, I just don't have the time." Trying to schedule that and work on the you know, all the particulars and being in the right place at the right time and preparing, it's just too much. But what I will say is, hey, I'll do the next best thing. Send me a list of questions. I'll record my answers to it and you can use it in your podcast or your video or whatever. So I would probably do something like that, but it's not as good. I agree. Adam Porter sounds like a sharp guy. I'd probably enjoy chatting with him, but I just don't have time. I just don't have time. Time is the fire in which we burn. Okay. Renee says, in 2020, during a Corner to Corner episode... The question, if you decide to quit as a gamer, what happens to your collection was asked. This was back when I was doing a, a show with Tom Vassell. I didn't have a confident answer then, but do I have a confident answer now? Yes, I certainly do. One of two things happens. Um, the Probably the lion's share of all of this goes to the Dice Tower West Library. Coincidentally, corner to corner, the thing I did with Tom Vassell the, of the Dice Tower. Um, because after I, most of the games I play and then film a run-through for that I do not keep on my shelf, they end up get, getting um, in a FedEx super box. Uh, the, these uh, bulk freight boxes you can get from FedEx to, to make shipping like 200 games uh, cost like 200 bucks. So it's like, I mean, that's amazing. So once or twice a year, I send a huge dump of games so they will be at the Dice Tower West Convention Library. I suspect probably a third of all this stuff would go there. That's what I would do. If, if there's anything that Tim Medivere wants, he would get that. After that, the stuff that didn't go, because they already have multiple copies of it or whatever, I would, do, I would go on BoardGameGeek. I would say, here is my collection. You can look through it. This is what the shipping will be. Bid. And it would be a bidding thing for the entire collection. And whatever it goes for, I would put it in a FedEx freight box and ship it away. That is what I would do, because... I cannot stress just how fantastic FedEx freight boxes are. Let me find one. FedEx... I shouldn't. FedEx freight. Because I'm running out of time here. Um, or, you know, FedEx freight box. Uh, shipping... Or, uh, they're kind of hard to find. FedEx really kind of hides these things. I wonder if they lose money off them. Um, a generic size? Generic size. Freight boxes. Is this it? Yes, this is it. There we go. All right. Uh, back to the browser. Sorry, folks, who are listening. Um, it's uh, 
Pack it right. So uh, they, they, you 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 can just call them up. You have to create a FedEx freight account. It's like a business account. I've created that, and then you say, "Hey, send me one of these freight boxes. Either the one that uses a pallet, which is a little bit bigger, or the one that's self-contained." And they send you these boxes for free. These boxes you could almost put a mini. You could put like two mini fridges for your dorm into one of these boxes, and they send them to you free. I've got several of these out in the garage. Over time, they slowly get filled up. When they are full, they go to Dice Tower West. Um, And the whole box, which weighs hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. If I took that down to the post office, it would cost thousands of dollars to ship this. It ends up costing a few hundred bucks to ship them through FedEx Freight. Amazing. The FedEx Freight Boxes. Um, You know, absolutely phenomenal. Very happy. That is what I would do. I would just get rid of everything in a one-two punch. Dice Tower West gets first dibs, and then some lucky bidder gets everything else. No. Oh, I don't want... You can keep that one. Nope. You get everything. If that were to happen. I don't expect that's going to happen, though. All right. Tanya has been watching my videos for six years and thinks uh, she's seen about every run-through. That's amazing. I've covered like 1,800 games, Tanya. That's Have you watched 1,800 run-throughs? You are amazing. My hat's off to you. Um, there was a game that I played of those 1,800 that Tanya's trying to revisit but can't remember the name. The board art had water on the bottom and Meeple's tokens were ships or boats. Did a Google search... For Euro games with boats and ships, that did not work. Was wondering if there's any way to do a keyword search of the videos. This is kind of what we were talking about before. No, there's not really. Um, I have a mental image of what the board looks like, but not the box art. Also, I thought uh, it might have been a Ken Follett game, but it wasn't. Thanks in advance for any advice you can give. And then um, um, Tanya has confirmed, what is this? This looks like 20 or so games that it's not. I am so sorry, Tanya. Like I said, it's 1,800 games. A lot of games with boats. A lot of games with boats. What's the first thing that pops into my head? That game from... Oh, oh, oh. I know where it is on my shelf. Hold on a second. Why am I doing this? I don't have time for this. Um, is it... Uh, do I know where it is on my shelf? Newfoundland? Um, was it Newfoundland? Or was it um, Oracle of Delphi? Those are a couple that I do not see on your list of things you have checked. So maybe check those. Oh, I minimized everything to find the list. Crap. Uh, I need to get the list back. There it... What is this? What has happened? Oh, everything got resized somehow. That's weird. Alrighty. Fine. Okay. Boom. Um, Yeah, I don't see Newfoundland. That would be my my first guess. Uh, Certainly one that would be uh, easily missed. And I also do not see Oracle of Delphi. So give those a check. Um, and if not, really, my main suggestion, go to BoardGameGeek. Actually, no. Go to faq.rado.com. faq.rado.com. I will go there myself right now. And entry number five is, I love Insert Game Here. What should I buy? This is not your question, of course. But this links you to a forum called Board Game Geek Recommendations. And you could either post here, um, which is under gaming-related in forums... Um, or you could just post in general gaming. Go to Board Game Geek. If you haven't created a Board Game Geek account, create one. It literally takes less than a minute. They're really kind of laid back. 
Post your question there. I guarantee you, you will get hundreds of suggestions. Post your list of the ones you know it's not. You will start, I mean, you will, within a couple of days, you will have gotten the answer. The hive mind of, I was complaining earlier about a lot of negativity that's on Board Game Geek, but Board Game Geek is perfect for this kind of crowdsourced, or you know, wisdom of crowd solution. So I definitely recommend doing that. I suspect you will find what you seek. Good luck. Top. Okay, this is the last questioner, and Top had a bunch of questions. Oh, Top. Oh, Top. You have so many questions, Top. You have six gigantic questions, some of which break down into multiple sub-questions. Top. I've run out of time, Top. I think uh, you are going to be... You're going to be question number one next episode, Top. Which I know you're fine with, because the interesting thing about Top is, Top is, at any given time, about six months behind. Uh, I think Top actually talked in here about how they finally caught up to uh, the middle of 2021. So Top isn't going to hear this for another year. So Top, you're going to wait one more month. I'll get to all of your questions, because I've uh, got to move on to uh, the next thing I'm filming today. So um, thank you for your patience, Top, and thanks to everybody. Were there any other questions besides Top's big, huge dump of questions? Nope. Okay. So, folks, that's it, but we're not done with game questions. Hang on for a second, and we'll be right back with a few gaming questions for Jen, which means Jen will be joining us. Woohoo! Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, folks, it is the next day for me, but for you, it's just five seconds later as we continue with the podcast. And now a mysterious hand comes into frame, which Jen tends to forget. Most of you will be listening to this and not hearing this. So perhaps you should speak instead of wave. Hello! Hi, honey pie. Wave! For those listening, Jen does not like to appear on camera. For those watching on YouTube... Too bad. <laughs> I guess so. You get a picture of Jen uh, that I took back in England. And, um, a, and a hand. And a disembodied hand. Okay. Honey Pie, we've got a few more game questions we are continuing with before we get to the personal stuff. Starting with a question from a Joseph. And Joseph! Who, uh, actually, I don't, th- I don't think this was a question. Uh, a couple months ago, I asked you both... Um, wait, no, no, it was. Uh, right. A couple months ago, I asked, what game are you best at? And though I appreciate the answers, let me rephrase the question. <laughs> Apparently, our answers were not we good enough. We didn't answer his question I, properly. I, I don't remember how he answered. But anyway, imagine you had to participate in a tournament of a specific competitive game. In order to get first place in this event, what game would need to be played? Oh, I have no idea. Let's see. Yeah, Jen can't really answer that. I could have left this off her list. Uh, I mean, can you think of anything that you feel like, yeah, I'm really good at this? <sighs> no. Not going to give us anything. Let's I'm see sorry. here. I mean, that's just... That is, I'm, you, yeah, yeah I, I thought I probably should have just left this out of the question. But I thought Jen might surprise me. Let's see. It's not Agricola, because I tend to beat you at Agricola. Um, and it's not Agricola because... Let's see. The reason you tend not to do an Agricola is because you overextend. All right, I would... Uh, no, it's just you and me. Uh, those games where um, yeah. I move yeah. around and you don't know which way I'm moving and you never can catch me. 
<laughs> yes, Jen is referring to we played several hidden movement games over the years. Yeah. And it generally tends to be the case that Jen refuses to be the hunter and she always wants to be the sneaky person. Yep. And I always struggle mightily. <laughs> Um, and she never understands the struggle because she always refuses to play the other side. The struggle is real. So you're saying that uh, in a competitive situation, you would want to play a hidden movement game where you get to be the sneaky person, and you think you could evade anybody. Uh, I, that's a, that's I'm a, just saying that I tend to be pretty good at that. You, okay, all right. Yes, and to be fair, it's not just me. We have played with other people as well, and Jen tends to be able to evade everybody. Um, all right, so Jen says... Pick a hidden movement game as long as she gets to be. So for me, well, before we continue, I'm going to pause for a second because Jen just grabbed the fan because she's hot. And actually, you can just the, the, this microphone does not pick up the overhead. So if you just want to go, it's the middle light switch over there, honey pie. Right. If you want to turn that on, that'll cool you down. For me, what am I good at? I am, one, I am good at games that have a meta game where you play the table as much as you play the game and try to manipulate people's expectations of what's happening. Oh, you're very good at that. Because I'm very good at that. And he's very frustratingly good at that. He's like, he constantly throws me under the bus <laughs> with that. Uh, it's true. I do. Because it's a way to win. I'm, 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 I'm very good... I guess one of my strengths in gaming is persuasion. Uh, is misdirection. <laughs> persuasion and misdirection. So, um, presumably, I would also be good, potentially, at being the sneaky person in a sneaky game. <laughs> yeah, I just never get to find out if I'm any good at it or not. Never do. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I used to be pretty good at Small World, as an example. That's my go-to example, because when we first got in the end of, uh, into playing board games, and I was still in the video game industry, we would play Small World at lunch uh, every day, week after week month after month uh, with the same group and I, I I won more often than not and it wasn't because I was more smart strategically than those guys but they could just never learn that everything I said was a lie unless it wasn't a lie and I was able to play with that enough so I would expect any kind of game that um, you know supports that kind of stuff is really going to work well for me I, I, it's interesting. I come back to Agricola I am really good at Agricola too uh, although I mean mostly I've only played it against Jen so and, and she's just not very good because she overextends herself uh, I, I want to do it all. Yeah, she wants to do it all, and then she finds out too late that she can't. Uh, let's see. Games that are a race, I tend to do well at, mm. because I am predisposed to try to make short, fast gains rather than long-term investments. Yep. That's kind of my na my natural predilection in life, to take the bird in the hand and forget about the whatever's in the bush. Who cares? You might be dead. You might be hit by a bus on the way to the bush. You might as well take the bird in the hand. So... I don't know, a uh, race game, Race for the Galaxy. I think I generally do pretty well at Race for the Galaxy. Uh, I love Race for the Galaxy. Yeah, and, and yeah, I tend to beat Jen. And I don't care because I had such a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also really good at real-time games. Pick a real-time game. Oh, I hate real-time games. Oh, no, you don't. I don't need You the hate stress. competitive real-time games because oh, I, I but I, uh, you know, pretty much any type of real-time game, I generally flourish. So... I mean, and uh, as often as not, I think the ones we mostly play are competitive, but there are cooperative, but there are competitive ones out there. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the general rule, I'm not that good. I, I'm trying to think what my strengths are, but I, I still tend not to win. I, t- I tend to be at my best when I'm com- uh, cooperating with others because probably my best strength is um, working with other people and trying to help them find things that they didn't see themselves because I, I tend not to really want to dwell too terribly much on my own stuff as a general rule, which is very strange sounding. But it's nice because you're a great teacher and then you're <sighs> really good at helping everybody else at the table. Yep. Except uh, for the person you're throwing under the bus. Yes. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say tiny towns. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty good at tiny towns um, because... Because I, I say that because uh, a couple of years ago, I think, I did a live playthrough of Tiny Towns with the developer and the designer and the publisher of Tiny Towns. And I beat the publisher and the designer uh, and uh, you know their head of quality assurance. I, 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 was, I came in second place, beaten only by the developer of the game. And uh, they told me at the time, they, this is something that AEG had been doing for... like. Six months, every week, they would get some other guest to come on the show and just play Tiny Towns with them. And they said, I did better than any other guest. So I'm going to say Tiny Towns. And um, why? Why would I say Tiny Towns? That is interesting. I, there's, it, it's a very puzzly game, and Jen's good at it, too. But I, I, I couldn't say why, but I'm going to say Tiny Towns. Um, hopefully, Joseph, that's better. And if not, you can put the question again in a couple <laughs> of months. Us- a third time. <laughs> a third time, the charm. Okay, we're moving on to Top. Top, some of your questions will be answered today. Uh, top had like 50,000 questions in the game section. I ran out of time, so I said, Top, you'll have to wait till next month. Yeah. But some of his stuff could be hit by Jen, and I think Top has some personal stuff. Top is the, the fellow, you recall, who is like a year behind. Oh, Whatever yeah. we say today, Top will not hear until sometime in 2023. <laughs> so bear that in mind as you answer Top's question. Yeah. Uh, do, honey, you enjoy doing the podcast? Has your attitude about doing the podcast changed over time? Mm, that's a good question. Um, and continuing, if um, if I had the choice, independent of what the audience wants, would I want Jen to continue doing the podcast? That's a question to both of us. Um, would you continue doing it I mean, if you put aside audience requests? Okay, so what do you think, Honey Pie? Do you enjoy doing the podcast? How has your opinion about doing the podcast changed over time? And, um, you know, in a perfect world where you had no responsibilities or requirements or anything of your time whatsoever, would you continue doing the podcast? Yeah. Um, actually, the podcast is probably the thing I, I um, what do I say, don't mind the <laughs> The most. least? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because I can be off camera. I. I don't know why. I just feel like I don't like like being on camera. Mm-hmm. So doing the other stuff on camera is just initially stressful for me anyway. So this is nice. I could just sit down, be off camera, slurp on some chocolate or whatever. It's mm-hmm. nice. I like it. It's a lot more relaxing. Okay. Um, has has your changed? attitude about doing the podcast changed over time? You'd be better off answering that than me. I, why? It's not my attitude. It's your attitude. Do you think my attitude has changed over time? Do you? don't know. That's why I was thinking Well, think, uh, compare this moment right now on July 20th, 2022, and cast your mind back to Malta, mm. sitting on the couch, both of us wearing a lavalier mic, um, just on a, oh, right. on a given afternoon, and me just asking questions, and you not even looking at me, but, you know, staring at your laptop, and, <laughs> well, you, know, you know, that was a very different circumstance there. So, that's like, what, four or five years ago compared to now. Yeah, I don't know. I think I I think it's fine. You feel about the same either? Yeah, I think okay. So. 
if you had your choice, independent of what the audience wants, would you want to continue doing the podcast? I know this is a question to me and to you. So I will say, I um, I I, I certainly think the podcast is much better for having Jen on it. I uh, you know she's only on for the second half of the show. And honestly, I have no type of viewer statistics to have any idea. I don't know when people listen. I mean, it, YouTube gives me a lot of analytics. I can see exactly when people stop watching and you know which parts get more viewership. But I don't have any kind of visibility. Uh, so I don't know if, if half the audience just skips all the game stuff and goes straight to the personal, since we I put shortcuts to that in the uh, show notes for it or not. Um, but I, I tend to think... I don't know. I mean, I... I I'm such a motor mouth. I think it's implicitly good. I think it's implicitly good for any form of inner, any medium to have people doing a back and forth. Yeah. One person doing a monologue, no matter how engaging they are, is just going to be uh, less compelling overall. So I think the show is definitely better for having her on. Plus, she kind of keeps me in check a little bit. And um, but still, I mean, I I would not want her to do it without. Uh, you know, without her say so. I mean, so it's really up to her. The reality is, we could stop doing this podcast at any time, and uh, instead, I, that would just be an additional game I would run through that month. We've been doing it for now, I don't know how long. A long time. Uh, yeah, hold on a second. Let me look. I've been wondering, are people um, going to run out of questions? So they haven't yet. They haven't yet. I mean, there are some repeats now and then. Let's see. So this is episode 86. 86 divided by 12 is we've been doing this for over seven years now. Uh, you know, give or take, almost every single month, getting together and doing this. Yeah. And um, yeah. Well, I don't. It's not something I mind doing at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's. But you don't enjoy it. Well, I'm not out there. Given doing your druthers, it. you would rather not be doing it. Well, I you're not seeing me doing it for my own stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, what my mean? glass business doesn't. I don't. Do you do not. Do you don't. You don't do any kind of promotional stuff for your glass. That's true. Yeah. You could. I mean, I've mentioned to her in the past. She could easily start a YouTube channel because there's lots of other YouTube channels you watch. For glassmakers, and um, you've subscribed to all them, but you won't do it yourself. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just it just I think it's all part of what I like about my business is I like making glass. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly enjoy selling or Talking promoting or any of that, and so I think that's probably similar to this. <clears throat> yeah, um, it's um, but this is easy because you again do most of the work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. That's I can enough. show up, and uh, as long as I'm not on camera, it's very low stress for me. Um, right. So, I mean, you are 100% in the I could take it or leave it. Um, of all the things that we do, this is probably... The one you mind the least, but not the one that you like the most. Uh, because well, you seem to be hesitant thing. to say, do you actually enjoy doing this? Oh. That's the question. That's oh, what okay. Top really wants to know. Oh. Are you having fun doing this? Or should I cancel the podcast? Because that's the other thing too, folks. The podcast is, for the last six months or so, has been just on the razor's edge of being canceled. Because with the increase in inflation and you know changing demographics or whatnot, um, you know the monthly income I get from Patreon has been dropping, dropping, dropping. Over the last six months, it's dropped by... Um, almost a thousand dollars a month, almost twelve thousand dollars a year. My income has dropped, uh, and you know one of the first things that I said, oh well, you know what, I, I, I put to the Patreon backers, well, 
uh, we have definitely dropped below the funding level where Jen will continue to get on camera and I will continue to do this podcasting because, you know, I'm paying Jen to be here. Make no mistake. Uh, the, the, the podcast is one of the bigger ticket items in the things that are funded by the Patreon campaign because it's less about me and more about her time because her time here could have been spent upstairs making more glass and, you know, pursuing her own agenda and her own dreams. And, uh, so... Actually, I, when I when I put that question to the Patreon backers, hey, would you rather me um, continue doing the podcast, or would you rather me or cut the podcast and keep a run through? Because I got to cut one of these two things because my funding has dropped. Because it's yeah, again, it's like twelve thousand dollars a year I've dropped over the last six months, and um, you know it was really kind of went both ways. There wasn't a very clear consensus, but then um, you know somebody stepped up to sponsor the podcast. So, okay, fine. The podcast is no longer covered by Patreon. But that's going to come to an end. In fact, I'm recording this... We're halfway through recording this episode right now. I don't know if I have a sponsor for this podcast yet. I'm waiting to hear if they're going to go for another month or not. Mm. Um, And and, and if they decide not to, that means this month there will be one less run-through to make up for the... uh, So, anyway... All that is kind of incidental, but you know, tangential to uh, the, the question of continuing to do this at all, which is really Top's question. Um, all things being equal, honey, would you want to continue doing this? Yeah, I think this is nice. Would you rather than doing the podcast have one more game we play every month so that I film it every month? Well, I enjoy playing games with you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I actually think it's interesting to hear what people want to know the answers to. Okay. So I. I guess that moves that firmly into the positive category of, I find this interesting. Okay. All right. I mean, you, you seem to be really kind of hedging early on, but that seemed to be a little bit more yeah. positive declaration of, no, this is a good thing. I like this. Yeah. It's not that I don't hate it. <laughs> uh, you, you've switched from don't hate into kind of like a little bit. Well, okay, but... You're catching me on a very busy day. I've just been it's doing true. a very it's long sh- online show, and I'm sort of carving out time right now when I probably ought not be. Yep. And so, you know, unfortunately, the timing's not perfect. But yeah. things need to get done, so we're getting them done! All righty. Uh, top continues. In the beginning, I uh, was not one of the people clamoring to have more Jen. Rotto was the point. <laughs> but now, I can't imagine the podcast without Jen. She uh. is an integral part. Well, you should have led with that, uh, Top. Maybe uh, <laughs> that would have swayed Jen to get into the positive camp a little bit quicker. All right. Anyway, Top continues on a totally different topic, because this was a different email. Uh, um, I, top had like six emails that I kind of split up into various sections. Due to our focus on two-player gaming, we may rarely encounter a few, encounter a few situations uh, that Top sees quite a bit in multiplayer games. Attack the leader, sacrifice for the greater good, and king-making. Mm-hmm. And now Top actually spends a lot of time describing what all of these are. But honestly, he didn't have to. I, I certainly know. I mean... You can kind of get, oh, yeah. somebody's in the lead. Everybody else has to band up yeah. to pull them back down. The whole, oh, was it the crabs in a bucket thing, right? Yeah. No yeah. crab will let a bucket, get, no crab will let another crab get out of the bucket. You know, that kind of thing. Attack the leader. Or king making, hey, I can't possibly win. So now I just have to make choices that will ensure the person I do want to win wins. Yeah. And sacrifice, if someone's on the verge of winning, uh, I can use my turn to prevent that win, um, uh, you know, to hurt them and no cause myself. So, I, you know, kind of like a vengeance sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you, you see, these kind of, I would say, I would arguably say antisocial behaviors uh, that can develop in multiplayer games that, you're right, fundamentally cannot exist in a two-player game because of the zero-sum nature. Alrighty. Um, anyway, so Top, uh, he gave a lot of descriptions about how all those works. Anyway, and then he continues. 
if you were to play multiplayer games, would games that have these situations uh, tend to come up make you rank them higher or lower, or do you not care? And I thought, yeah, I thought this... I mean, I, I will answer for myself... I don't particularly mind these things. I mean, to me, getting back to the earlier question, uh-huh. I am particularly... I enjoy metagame stuff. I enjoy playing the table maybe even more than playing <laughs> the game. And because, in part, because you know people like to do what they're good at. And I think I am good at that. Um, and I, I certainly enjoyed it back in the day. I, I mean, I didn't think Small World was the greatest game in the world. I just really liked uh, you know the experience I had playing it, you know, just trying to play mind games. So, I mean, they don't tend to bother me. And in, in situations where Kingmakers showed up in those games, I mean, I, some, some of my t- uh, fellow players were incensed by it, but I'm like, that's fine. I... Uh, I yeah, I, I'm not bothered, but what about you, Honey Pie? How, how would you feel encountering those sorts of anti-social situations? Um, well, I always call it out that you're throwing me under the bus. Yes. And then you laugh about it, and everybody else laughs at about it. And you go, <laughs> and then, but you know, she's going to win anyway. Yeah, so because it is still true. I'm going to throw her under the bus. All things being equal, if Jen sits down at the table, you're statistically likely to lose, folks. I'm just oh. going to, I'm warning you that right now. Jen I... is really, really freaking good at most games. No. Anyway, though. I don't know. It's true. This I have the statistics to back it up. Mm. But anyway, go on. Anyway, so um, yeah, I guess it does bother me a little bit, mm-hmm. but I just take it as I have to. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. So it doesn't bother you. I mean, I mean, like I said, literally, some people get table flipping mad over oh. it. Like you know, because how dare you make any decision in a game other than one calculated to best improve your position relative to the table. Uh, you know that that's the only thing you should be doing. Mm-hmm. If you know you can't win, you should be playing for second and you know striving, or you should be playing to just ensure you're not in last place. Actually, I think let me just after I've said right. you throw me under the bus all the time. Yes, I think you also play the table to make sure everybody has a good time. <laughs> that is true, and I think that is really awesome of you. Mm. So even if it means that you throw me under the bus, everybody else is having a better time. It's and- you know it, it, it's a good point. I do t- when if you and I have to sit down and play with strangers, yeah. I do worry a little bit more about how much fun they're having than yep. how much fun you or I are having. Yep, and I'm totally on board with that. <laughs> I will get under that bus happily. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have to say, I guess in that case, I'm happy to to be playing with you that way. <laughs> All right. Uh, the uh, top continues. These situations tend to provoke a metagame Ooh. of influence over the players, what we were just there talking about. Go. For example, with Attack the Leader, you're trying to convince other players uh, that you're actually doing very poorly so you don't get attacked. I seem to remember... Oh, okay, so top, yeah. I uh, remember Rado mentioning that it was very good at Small World. Do no. <laughs> games like that... Do, uh, do I like games that encourage metagame of trying to influence other players? Uh, top is, is not a fan of it, which is probably why I dislike social deduction games as well. Uh, yeah, I, as I said earlier, I do enjoy that. To me, that is fun. Social, uh, you know, socially acceptable social manipulations. Um, I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's what I basically did professionally for over two decades. Uh, I was a professional cheerleader just trying to make sure everybody was just moving in the right direction and always, wherever possible, making them think like it was their idea that they wanted to do that, even if it was my idea all along that this is what we needed to do, but I wanted them to still have ownership. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I did professionally, and I guess I kind of like doing it for fun. What about you, Honey Pie? Are you, would could you imagine yourself being interested playing a game where it's as much about taking your head away from what you're bored in front of you and paying oh okay no. i can probably trick betty no. into making this kind of move nope yeah i 
very rarely pay attention to anybody else's anything. Mm -hmm. So, no, I don't have the energy to try and <laughs> to play everybody else's games, too. All righty. Oh, well, uh, Top continues, since I enjoy the negotiation, uh, Top suspects I like the metagaming. So, one follow-up question. Oh, I last say, question. Oh, but before we get to the last question, yes, anybody? Yeah, I would say, though, um, if somebody's having a problem or we're playing with new people or something, I do enjoy helping them. Yeah, sure. So, mm -hmm. with that, I would pay attention to somebody else's game to say, okay. oh, you might want to go to the desert instead of the mountains or whatever. But, um, no, in general, no. I don't pay attention to what anybody else is doing. Okay. okay. Last question from Top. Do you like the metagaming to dominate the game so it basically determines the winner? Or do you prefer to have a smaller influence? So, again, uh, well, I guess for you... Since you are not going to engage in that table level gameplay of you know trying to convince somebody to 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 make like okay here's an example one of my favorite things and, it, and again, again two player doesn't really matter it's meaningless but some of the, there are event cards in Lords of Waterdeep which is a pretty straightforward vanilla worker placement game and the most special thing about that game is I can have an event card that when I play it it will give me three clerics and I have to pick one other player around the table to get one cleric mm -hmm. and I love that I absolutely adore being the player to play that card and I love it maybe even more when somebody else plays the card and I get to weigh in on why you have to pick me for that one cleric <laughs> I, I mean I I think that's fantastic. I would love to see that kind of stuff in more games. Although, unfortunately, it never has any meaning in a two-player game. It fundamentally can't. How would you feel about a card like that? Forget any game, forget whether it's yeah. Deep or Glick or anything. How do you feel about being put in a situation where those kinds of events come up? Where, hey, that, that extra cleric might win me the game. And I better lift my head up away from my own calculations and figure out how to convince Bob to give me that cleric. Yeah. How would you feel about that? Um, well, I suppose that doesn't bother me because I know I need an extra cleric. And I could probably say, I could argue my point of why I should be the one to get it. What would your point be? Oh, I don't know. Whatever I mean, is. your point can only be, um, Bob, you're better it. off giving it to me than anybody else because it's in your best interest, Bob. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, you have to make an argument towards their best interest. Mm -hmm. And the best way you could do that is, Bob, you have to understand, I've already lost the game. So you risk nothing by giving it to me. Let me prove to you why I have lost the game and why Billy over there is your number one threat. So if you if you do nothing else, do not give it to Billy. Uh, you know it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. So which you're put, really good at. Yes, uh, and put into that circumstance, how you just want none of that. No, I don't really want. I don't yeah. Like it. You for a second you thought, yeah, I could engage in that until I actually started role playing, engaging in that, and you realized, like no, it. you want nothing to do with it. No. <laughs> but I will say I do like games that have the kinds of cards where you get three things and everybody else at the table gets one. Everybody else at the table gets one. Yeah. So you don't have to make the decision. So the metagame does not have to begin. Yeah, I guess so. I just Fair like enough. getting stuff on your turn. Uh, yeah, for me, um, no, I, I, I think I like it as a spice rather than the main course, quite frankly. I, I still, if I had to pick one or the other, I would still rather play a game where we all had to be silent than um, a game where it doesn't really matter where we move our pieces and it's 100% about the mind games between players. If, you know, I, I, I still err more towards the game game rather than the meta game. So that'd be my feeling. Where Okay, okay. 
And that's it, folks. We have now finished all of the game in question, which means for some of you, I don't know how many of you, this <laughs> might be where you decide to get off and uh, because you don't want to hear any of our personal stuff. So to you, I say thank you for watching or listening. And for the final time, I implore you to send more questions to questions at rotto.com because without you, we don't have a show. Right. And also thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, and uh, have a nice day. Talk to you so long. Bye-bye. And if you're still listening, folks, hang on. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okie doke, folks. It's time to peel back the masks and reveal our true selves uh, to you brave folks who want to delve into the deeper psyche of me and Jen. It's time for the personal Q's and A's. Starting with Andrew. This is the one. It was not a question. Andrew just wanted to let you know, honey pie, the third chicken did start laying eggs shortly after he sent the original email. Remember, we hypothesized, I wonder if the dog is uh, creating too much stress and all that. Nope. Just need a little bit of time to get settled in. So for Jen and anybody else who is concerned, <laughs> Andrew's third chicken is now laying successfully. Hey, Hurrah! Andrew, we have Uh-oh. got three fresh chicks. Yes. Right now, do you have the picture? Do I have a picture? Uh, and I do not have a I picture. I have one in OneDrive. Maybe you can dig that up. All right, hold on a second, so, folks. Uh, I'm going to pause. Oh. Pop! Look at that. Again. Apologies to people listening rather than watching, but a picture suddenly appeared on screen, if you're watching on YouTube, of Buffy, or Buff Orpington, the biggest girl we've got, uh, looking over three new chicks that Jen just could not stop herself from picking up uh, at Wilco the other day. (laughs) Yep. I was like, I need some chicks. Why? How many chickens do we have now? They say, Yes, they say that a lot. How many chickens do we have now? We have 19 right now. 19. Is that including these three new ones? All right. What are their names? You want all of them? No, just the new three new ones. Oh, the three new ones. I think we got Bunny and Wabbit for the two Easter Eggers. Uh-huh. And the other one is a blue Ostrolorp, so I think I'm just going to call her Aussie. Aussie. Aussie, Bunny, and Wabbit. Uh, three new chicks uh, um, with uh, Buffy being a proud mama. Uh, protecting them from all oncomers. So oh, yeah. that's the chicken update here. Jen is addicted to chickens. Okay, moving right along um, to our first actual question from Ben. Um, when you and Jen went to Hawaii, Ooh. did you by any chance go to Kauai? We did. Which I believe is the Big Island, right? No, the Big Island is Hawaii. Oh, the Big Island is Hawaii itself. Yeah, Kauai. Uh, there are literally chickens everywhere, in <laughs> towns, on the beach, in the jungle. And they are not shy at all. Uh, if you haven't been, I would imagine Jen would love it. I we, did love it. That is where we stayed, correct? Yeah. We so my parents... My, had a timeshare. Well, my stepmom's family had a timeshare. Right, there. okay. And one year, nobody wanted to use it. They had... They have five kids in the family, so um, we were able to take it on. Yep. And, we and that must have been we were like 24. Well, it was, like it was that, actually after we'd gotten married, and we yeah. never went on a honeymoon. So it became we too, our honeymoon, we were, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we bought a house instead mm-hmm. of a honeymoon. Um, anyway, and yeah, so we went, and we had a great time, and I loved Kauai. It was wonderful. 
you remember the chickens? I don't, but you know, that was like 30 years ago. And you didn't ago. care about chickens 30 I did years not. ago. No, yeah. Didn't even notice them. Probably not. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's where we spent almost the majority of our time. I, we went, uh, for one day we were on the big island. And I don't remember why. It was to watch the news. Was it only that? Well, we also toured the big island. We, we drove all the Were we going to go anyway? No. Okay, so while we were there, this will tell you when, um, what's it? Uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace debuted in theaters, and I wanted to see it. It was not playing on Kauai. You had to go to the big island of Hawaii to see it. I think you wanted it. to see it in an IMAX theater, too. I, yeah, I, I guess. So apparently you're saying, I don't remember the particulars, you're saying we planned the entire excursion just to go see Star Wars uh, in a theater on the big island. But then, like I said, we spent the day, and we literally drove the entire circumference of the island. I don't know. That I do remember that drive. That whole circumference, but we but, went around quite a lot of it. Yep. And saw and, the volcano and the lava and all that. Yep. And we were introduced to Jar Jar. Uh, um, oh, dear. Uh, but then we got back on a little puddle humper or puddle hopper <laughs> uh, plane <laughs> and then stayed for in Kauai for a few more days. Yep. Right. Whatever it was. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Yes. Uh, and we recommend it highly. Uh, if we were to go again, I imagine, well, Jen would probably enjoy it even more now, now, that, they're, now that she's chicken crazy. All righty. Uh, Daniel. Um, uh, says, I don't know how the American law system works. Uh, is there a way to get the abortion rights back into the hands of women? Can a referendum be held since, if I'm not mistaken, over 60% of all Americans are pro-abortion? In my country, you can hold a referendum, and if it's passed, it's codified. Uh, not a referendum. Uh, basically, the, uh, uh, the United States is, I think in danger of becoming much more EU-like as time goes on, where it's much more about states' rights, and states are becoming more and more little independent many countries within because the federal government is getting weakened. It is certainly possible for the federal government to uh, pass a federal law that would guarantee the abortion, and therefore um, individual states would have to abide by that. Uh, it should happen. It almost did happen back in the 90s, but it failed to pass. And uh, that is, at this point, what would have to happen. Since it's unlikely to happen uh, because of the current makeup of the United States Senate, very sadly, um, it is going to fall more on individual states to try to protect the rights of their citizens. And uh, more and more, individual states to protect the rights of citizens in other states. Very, very sadly. That is the situation we're in. Um, and it's, it's a big cluster cluck, unfortunately. Alrighty, um, but uh, Daniel then wonders, how responsible are Democrats for not codifying Roe versus Wade when they had the supermajority in the past? Uh, in 2009, uh, most recently, but more importantly, back in the 90s. And of course, yes, the Democrats are very culpable here. Although, the thing you have to understand about the Democratic versus the Republican divide is the de if you are, if, 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 if your brain chemistry, because when it boils right down to it, it's been proven over and over again, your predilection towards the left or the right is in large part a, re a reflection of your brain chemistry. People are predisposed to want more authoritarian or less authoritarian um, leadership. And if you're right-leaning, you want authoritarianism. You want a strong man. You want a single voice. And that, if I mean, if nothing else, you'll certainly have to give it to Republicans. They are good about getting in line and doing what the boss man says and everybody um, moving in the same direction and putting aside whatever. I mean, there are so many Republicans who couldn't stand Trump but they will vote for him anyway. And on the other side, the more liberal you are, the more your brain chemistry 
literally rebels against the idea of any kind of strong central authoritarian um, drives. And it is that is why the Democratic Party is at such a disadvantage in this regard. Um, because back in the 90s, uh, you know, there was a supermajority. There was a a, uh, a law that was pushed on the federal level, went quite a ways, but in the end of the day, it failed, not because of Republican opposition, which was universal, but instead because the Democrats themselves are like herding kittens. Uh, they're, because they will not, um, you know, toe the line. They, uh, you know, the as I recall, the bill was... Very, very progressive, especially for the time. And there were too many Democrats who were not progressive enough. So it was killed within its own party. And we talk about 2009. Obama, um, in his early term, did have the ability to do it. But they realized they had limited political capital. Because, again, it's impossible to get all left-leaning people. I mean, the divide... It sometimes seems the divide between um, moderate uh, Democrats and progressive Democrats is wider than the divide between moderate um, Democrats and, you know, uh, centrists. And, you know, maybe even centrist Republicans. And, uh, you know, the divide there is so wide, it is so hard to get any kind of super coalition that the decision was made in 2009, yeah, we could really pursue this, but we're going to pursue healthcare instead. And that's why, I mean, it took everything, every bit they had while fighting, um, oh, what was it? Oh, yeah. while fighting a recession, while trying to claw back from a, thank you very much, George Bush, um, bankrupting us with the war in Iraq for, uh, you know, a half a generation, um, clawing back from a huge recession while at the same time trying to go get closer to guaranteeing health care for every American meant, okay, we do not have the political capital to be able to pull our coalition together and make this happen and at the same time, pursue Roe versus Wade. So it was talked about, but it could not um, happen. And yeah, so how responsible are the Democrats? It's complicated. Um, the, the problem is, if, if you're a left-leaner... I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, the example I gave, you know, there are plenty of people who can't stand Trump, but they do appreciate having a strong, unifying, strong... Uh, you know, uh, uh, direction and they'll get in line. What is it? Um, uh, yeah, Republicans fall in line. Democrats have to fall in love. Uh, you know, and, and that's what, you know, that, that that's a, a common meme in the political sphere. And so, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Uh, so the perfect example is Trump versus Clinton versus Hillary Clinton. Um, if, if somehow in some weird mirror universe, Trump had been the Democrat uh, you know, a, a divisive firebrand who uh, a lot of a lot of Democrats liked, a lot of Democrats hated, um, and Hillary had been the um, you know the the Republican who again a lot of people on the right hated, a lot of people loved. All Republicans would have voted for Hillary, and Hillary would have won because the Democrats are very quick to say, "Oh, if this person isn't perfect, I'm just not going to vote." I just refuse. I refuse to compromise my ideals in any way. And um, on the Republican side, you do not run into that. Um, They say it's a single issue. You're with me on that. Fine. Everything else doesn't matter. And it's why it's so probable. For people who are pro-abortion or um, pro-choice, it's a very big problem. Because, you know, that authoritarian streak... 
that is just literally hardwired into people who lean right um, is what allowed them to wage a 40-year campaign to take down Roe versus Wade. They have been working on this for over a generation now. And they finally pulled it off because they had a central unifying thing. I mean, I've, I've been saying this for years. It's always been about abortion in American politics. It has always been about that. And unfortunately, the Democrat, our, our side has never addressed that in a way that was truly reflective of just how fundamental it is to every decision that is made in this country. And so for 40 years, they've worked on it and they succeeded. I do not believe um, it is within the brain chemistry of people who skew liberal and skew progressive to put aside their differences and wage a concentrated 40-year campaign to get things back to where they were, which I'm worried is what it's going to take. And in the meantime, that's on a federal level. Um, because we'll see in 2022, uh, later this year, if the, I mean, th- this is truly a, uh, a litmus test for the liberal, um, you know, uh, you, you kept saying, oh, I, I refuse to hold my nose and vote for Hillary Clinton. Nothing could be worse than that for me to compromise morale. If you had done that, every liberal who did not vote for Hillary Clinton, who voted for Jill Stein or whatever, just abstained. If you had voted for Hillary, we wouldn't be in this situation now. She would not have put um, Supreme Court justices on the bench who would take away abortion. It's on you. And I, forget about, I mean, I know Daniel's question was about the Democratic politicians. No, it's on the Democratic voters. Uh, I'm a strong believer in every country, they get the government they deserve. And if we have a liberal bloc who is just too, uh, who, who will not sully their hands with something they think is less than perfect and ideal, they just refuse to vote instead, well, then you get what you paid for. And if you aren't willing to pay, you get nothing. So we'll see in 2022 if abortion uh, rights are as strong a motivating factor for the left as they are for the right. Because before this, it was fait accompli. It was a foregone conclusion that the Republicans were going to sweep Congress and sweep the Senate, and um, the remainder of Biden's uh, presidency was going to achieve nothing. Maybe that won't be the case now. Maybe this will actually wake a Democratic voters up from their apathy and recognize that sometimes you have to make compromises in life and vote for somebody who doesn't perfectly tick every one of your boxes. We'll see. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say about any of this, honey pie. Uh, Jen has just been shaking her head and incredibly depressed looking the entire time we were talking about this. We'll see. Um, I know, Daniel, you also had a question about Depp versus Heard. I'm just not going to talk about that anymore, man. It's so disgusting. Everything about that is disgusting. Nothing more so than the behavior of Depp supporters. And I'm just done talking about it. But anyway, we'll continue to a different topic, a different hot button for Daniel, uh, about vaccines. Do we still think vaccines are helping prevent the spread of COVID? The answer, yes. Um, Daniel used to think so, but the data disproves it, unfortunately. The first thing that pops up if you Google, uh, do vaccines prevent the spread of COVID, is they don't. Daniel, that's not true. I saw when you wrote this. I did that. You're not reading any... Daniel, Google is sending you Google search results that are skewed towards your predispositions. When I do a Google search, it says, yes, it's very important that we continue to vaccinate. The reality is, what little we know of the science is with the uh, latest variants, yes, the latest variants are um, not 
uh, held at bay as well by vaccines, but they still are held at bay. I think it, uh, you know, it's like uh, if you're vaccinated, um, you know, I mean, because, what are you talking about? Um, it's breakthroughs, right? Breakthrough infections. If you're vaccinated, you still get the infection. It's something like 25% if you're vaccinated versus 38% if you're not, something like that. That is still a significant delta. Um, but right-winging, right-leaning news organizations point out, try to equate that, oh, a, a, you know, a difference of 20% of 18% is meaningless. Who cares? First of all, that's thousands of people who will live instead of die. That's not meaningless. But besides that, it, it, that is an oversimplification because what is proven consistent is if you do get breakthrough, if you're vaccinated, you one, you're less likely to have a breakthrough. Two, if you get a breakthrough, you are less likely to be able to spread it because you literally produce fewer of the particles in your breath. And three, if you're vaccinated and you get it, you will not be affected by it as long. Your recovery time will be faster. Or as deeply. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of these things combined um, are why everybody, if you read whatever article you're reading, Daniel, as long as it's not on OAN or some ridiculous lot, I mean, if you go to go, I mean, do a search for for um, uh, bias of media, uh, you know, do a search for that. You will find lots of websites that literally rate the bias of different media outlets. Find a media outlet that is in the middle, not one that leans right or left. Then go to those media outlets, read the articles, and the articles will all universally reinforce the idea that, yes, vaccination is still hugely important. Literally thousands of people will live or die based on the decisions that the majority of Americans make. And the majority of Americans are being lied to by their um, preferred news sources. So, and I'm, I'm afraid your Google search is not returning the truth. It simply isn't because Google... Ha, you know, gives you what you want to hear because Google wants you to keep going to Google so they can keep getting ads. That's the system, Daniel. Don't fall prey to it. Um, righty. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, you cannot do this unless Vax is nonsensical and IMO. Are, is it nonsensical to have um, drunk driving laws, Daniel? Is it nonsensical to require seatbelts? Daniel, this is as important as that. And do not believe you're rightly... I mean, again, <clears throat> do a search for biases in media. You and go, Do that research, Daniel, and you'll find you've been lied to, my friend. Anyway, though, and not by me. Um, continuing on. David uh, just finished Obi-Wan Kenobi. Has a couple of questions, spoilers. I put those spoilers. We have a brand new section of the podcast this month, folks. After Jen's Words of Wisdom, after Dogs... There's going to be a spoiler section, and we will answer David's question when we get there. Gerald asks, all right, how's your mom, um, and what does she think of TV shows from the past compared to shows on Netflix? Uh, as I mentioned up front, my mom died uh, in early June, uh, just over a month ago now, and uh, she went incredibly peacefully. I don't... I don't think I necessarily want to tell the whole story. Uh, suffice to say... Jen and I were with her for her final 48 hours where she was unconscious and completely peaceful. Her last words were, we asked her, how are you feeling? And she said, good. And um, it's been very difficult. And of course, you know, you know just, just the loss and all that. And now we're having to deal with all kinds of stuff. Uh, spoiler alert, folks. 
Um, if you have loved ones who are about to die, get on their bank account as a co-signer before they pass on. Because if you don't, it's a real pain in the ass. As I just discovered today, as I just spent a lot of time at her bank. I am listed as the beneficiary. I am listed as the... Uh, power of attorney and none of that matters because I wasn't a co-signer and so stuff is now bouncing because uh, the bank has all kinds of crap I'm, and I honestly I'd rather focus on that because I just don't want to think uh, about losing my mom but she was a great woman she donated her body to uh, to science so I'm sure she's continuing to help people and uh, let's just focus on the other question while she was still with us, uh, what did she think of TV shows in the past um, compared to the shows of Netflix? I'll, I know what she thought. I will tell you. This makes me think happy thoughts. She hates it. Or <laughs> she hated it. Um, there was one show we watched regularly, um, which I don't know if we're going to watch anymore now that she's not with us. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, the 911 show? No, the, yeah, the cop show with... Uh, Officer John Nolan. I can't think of the name of the show. It's a it's a it's a regular you know, uh, cop show on Fox. I think I forget. Um, and she really liked it, and we liked it enough to watch with her because it was always tough to find stuff that she would like and we would like. And every episode that didn't end up with everything just tied up in a neat little bow. If there was ever even the slightest hint of, oh, there is an as-yet-unresolved issue that is going to, um, you're going to have to wait a week to find out what it is. Every time after we press stop, she would say, what is this BS? What is this crap? What are they doing? Oh, they're doing it to me again. And it just drove her nuts, even over the littlest, silliest things. Yeah. Um, just, um, you know, but of course, sometimes there'd be like big major cliffhangers and oh man, she would have a fit about that. Why? What, they had an hour. Why couldn't they finish the story? <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> So yes, as you can imagine, um, the modern approach of television stories being serialized rather than episodic did not sit well with her <laughs> at all. Yeah, she could do a cliffhanger at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, she'll, she understood I'll, I'll, that. Yeah, she'll, I'll have one a season, um, but not one a week. I refuse. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, obviously, she didn't grow up watching soap operas, uh, which, of course, that's the entire M.O. of that kind of stuff. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, what did we watch with her? I, you know, we watched this... Why can't I think of the show? Oh, The Rookie. It's The Rookie. Yeah. The Rookie. Um, we also watched the 911. Yeah, although we kind of stopped. We yeah. just kind of... It just got so ridiculous. But uh, I watched the uh, Disney Plus Star Wars shows with her. And, you know, for the most part, those are... Even though they do have some serialized storytelling, they are much more episodic. And I think she appreciated them much more. She loved The Mandalorian. Oh my God, she loved that show. Uh, and uh, she didn't get a chance to watch Obi-Wan, which is very sad because I know she had been excited about that, but... Yeah, she also really enjoyed all the Marvel movies because you would give her the <laughs> summary before we'd watch the movie again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she was able to follow along. Yep, 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 yeah. Yeah, she very much enjoyed those. Although her favorite thing of all, Fast and the Furious movies. Man, she loved Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, mostly because she loves motor cars. She, she just, uh, you know, she didn't care about the plots or the characters or the family. She just, uh, you know, rev those engines up. I want them loud. I want to feel them. I mean, I literally took her to the theater to see, what was it, the offshoot one, Hobbs and Shaw, uh, because she loved them so much. So, uh, and yeah. And they would always watch them when I was in England or something. Yes, uh, we always would time it to where Jen was literally out not, of the house for a week. Not in the city. Yeah, the so, she, so she wouldn't have country. to feel the base. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, this is the kind of stuff I'd rather think about. 
Okay, uh, anyway, moving on. Griffin has some deeper questions. Honestly, looking for some wisdom here. How do you deal with your parents getting older and or declining mentally? For context, my father has hit hard times, is struggling mentally, physically, but I'm only 25 years old, says Griffin. The, just taking a strain, the strain of taking care of my parent who doesn't want help and who doesn't appreciate their situation is taxing. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Um, well, one thing I can say, we were very lucky in that my mom um, never really... I had any kind of mental decline at all. She no. got slower. Yeah. She was, I mean, she was not as sharp as she used to be, but there was never any dementia. Uh, she was like, could you repeat that a few more times? Okay, mom, well, slow down and speak a little bit more. But yeah, uh, but she was always self-aware, you know, even right up to the end, what was going on. Um, you know, when the doctors told her, uh, Miss Hart, you have maybe six months, her, her immediate response was, well, you know what? I never thought I'd make it to 75. So I'm happy. I'm content. But... Uh, so I don't have much experience with this either, quite frankly. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, but we are kind of going through this with Jen's dad a little bit. Um, he had, uh, he broke his hip a few months ago, six months ago now, um, maybe even longer. Well, January. And, um, after he, you know, he recovered from the surgery just fine, but he has not recovered mentally since then and you know there was some talk about how maybe the anesthesia had long-term lingering effects or something like that but he is now been having to stay in a uh, assisted living facility a memory care. the memory care unit uh which for which is ridiculously expensive but fortunately jen's parents have been paying into apparently an incredibly expensive and deluxe healthcare package for their entire adult lives, right? Well, Something like, like since that. Since they were 50, they got this long-term care insurance. Yeah, yeah, which is now paying off in a big way because I'm sure they would not be able to uh, you know, have uh, Ed there. And so we are spending, um, was it's about an hour and a half drive for us to see him. We drive down every week to see him um, to give uh, his wife, Jen's stepmom, uh, you know, a day off. Because it's very stressful for her to go in every day, because you know, because he has good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's if he's trying really hard, but he always seems to have good days with us, you know, for yeah. the most part. Yep, I think so. Um, you know, but it's uh, to, it's to the point where we can't really have a conversation with him anymore about anything. And I don't. Okay, so here's my first bit of uh, advice, Griffin. And this is this isn't really for the healthcare issues and all that, but just how to deal with them. I, if if your if if your dad's in any kind of situation like Jen's dad, what we find the best thing to do is um, just uh, one talk about what we're doing. Don't expect a lot of back and forth. Just uh, you know, it's it's just good to hear. Oh, new interesting things. Knowing full well that he will forget yeah. the next time, and you might end up saying the same stories again. But two, and even more so, talk about his childhood. Yeah, whatever he wants to talk about. Yeah. But it will be from his past. Yeah, uh, yeah, because, I mean, uh, at least with your dad anyway, he is having a hard time generating and holding on to recent memories. But he remembers his ki- his childhood and his early days and, you know, his, as a young, um, you know, accounting professor and all that. He remembers that uh, with, with crystal clear uh, clarity. So, um, you know, I, I've in the back of my mind got a list of things. Okay, if, if we're stuck for stuff to talk about, hey, Ed, what was your favorite sport growing up? You know? <laughs> 
just because uh, it'll be easy, and I, I guarantee. Or um, you know, did you play any board games? Or uh, well, who's your best friend in high school? You know, or whatever. And you know, and it just instantly, I, I, I think he breathes out like, oh, this is something I can talk about. Yeah. Because I remember this. Um, you know, or how did you meet? Um, you know, Nancy, or or whatever it might be. So you know, it's it's kind of focusing on that. Uh, he talks. I mean, he's 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 been an avid fisherman his whole life. So these days, it's been a lot more about just hearing the same fishing stories over and over and over again. And, um, you know, maintaining enthusiasm and interest for it because it's the best we can do because we love him and we think he's great and we just want him to be happy. And if it makes him happy to be able to talk about that, that's what we do. Um, and I, I, under, I appreciate what you're talking about has, um, you know, it's, it's I, I guess Ed is not happy about his situation, but I think he is self-aware enough to recognize he is in a trouble situation. Sometimes he'll like, I really want to leave. I do not want to be here. He has cried with us a few times. Um, but for the most part, you know, if you ask him, he said, but, but, but you think it's for the best that you're here. And like, yes, it, it is. And he'll it, begrudgingly admit it. He just doesn't want to be there. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to be home. Don't yeah, they? exactly. So that's been very, very difficult. But again, we're lucky that I think for the most part, and really when, when he gets really pissy about it is not with us. Cause we only see him once a week and, you know, Jen's his daughter and he wants to be strong for her. So it's his wife, uh, Nancy, who gets the bad days and she, and, you know, and, and the best we can do is just talk to her about that and, and try to be a shoulder to lean on and offer any support we can, but there's just nothing you can do. Well, and, and give her a day off. And, and yeah, except give her the days off. So I don't know, Honey Pie, do you have any advice for Griffin, who is having to go through all of this at 25? Oh, yeah. He says he's taking care of a parent who doesn't yeah. want help and doesn't understand their situation. Yeah, so very stubbornly refusing. Look, I, I can still cook my own breakfast. No, Dad, you can't. You'll hurt yourself. You'll burn the house down. You know, that kind of... I, I'm yeah. assuming, reading between the lines, it's that kind of stuff. I don't know. That is... Uh... Very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, neither of us have, have had anything quite as bad as what you're having to go through, Griffin. I mean, our, our stuff is... I mean, thank you. It helps put our stuff in perspective, yeah. uh, quite frankly. I guess if I were in your situation, man, I'd be... <laughs> you know, Contrary to it, it may sound like I was complaining about Google earlier. Google is an actually fantastic research <laughs> tool as well. And I am certain there are hundreds, thousands of articles written um, from people who have been through this, professionals who can give a lot better advice than we can, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, heck, I think last uh, podcast I complained a lot about the bitter bobs of Reddit, but I guarantee you there are Reddit forums devoted to this where people are getting together and explaining their situation and asking for advice. If, if I were in your situation, that's probably what I'd be doing. I'd be looking for help in a, in a big group of people who have also been through this. Because Jen and I, we, we're just kind of getting, you know, the, the lighter end of this spectrum. Yeah. And also, I mean, my mom had yeah. cancer. Oh, so my God. She passed away, um, again, relatively peacefully yeah. and quite quickly. But she was there until the end. She was there. She was. Oh, and she herself. had taken steps. Because she, you know, she, oh. she, I mean, you know, her decline through cancer, the end was very quick. But... She'd been diagnosed, and she had a year or something like that, right? Yeah, well, and, actually a couple. And she very quickly got, got all of her affairs in order. Yep. You know, kind, you know, there were no surprises. Jen, I mean, so that was all. So we've been really lucky uh, in more ways than one. And I'm sorry, Griffin, that you are at the other end of that spectrum. Um, I, I wish I could help. 
But that's the best I could do. I would say, literally, I would go to Reddit. I guarantee you there are forums devoted to this, full of people who have lived through this, who are living through it right now, and could probably give much better advice than we could. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, good luck, man. Gosh. All righty. Joseph is curious about our interest in traveling across the country in an RV. What about the experience is so appealing to you? And before you answer, honey, (laughs) Melanie also, coincidentally, in alphabetical order, would like to hear Jen's perspective about um, the Alaska vacation as well as her insights into RV living and travel and what she liked about it. Also, why was Alaska chosen? Uh, Did Jen coordinate the family vacation? So... Just so you know, I actually talked about this a fair bit yeah. on the R&R show recently. And if anybody's listening to this podcast, you lo- you heard me talking about this on the R&R show. Okay. So I will put the uh, uh, thing over to you and see what you have to say. And Jen just said she is happy to answer that question, but not now because she just looked at the clock. It's 3.30. Her online uh, show closes at 4. I promised her this would take under an hour. And honey, I'm looking. It's It's been 31 minutes. It's only been 31 minutes. Um, so we are still well under the hour I promised this would take. But somehow the timing has not worked out. So okay. we are going to have to pause for a little bit longer, yeah. folks. We'll be back. For, well, from your perspective, you we'll, we'll be back. Like that. Like that. Yeah. Um, in fact, what I should do is I should start a snap and then Ooh. pause, but I'm not going to bother to do that. You know that. how people do that where they throw a dress on the it, ground yeah, and then exactly. they rise I, up I, out of I it? I know how to do that. I am just, I can't be bothered. Uh-huh. So hang on, folks. Answer uh, incoming, shortly. Incoming shortly. Answer incoming. All right, folks. It feels like a lifetime has passed. I barely remember what was happening. But, honey, I owe you an apology uh, because one thing is I said, what? According to that, we've only been recording for a half an hour. That's for the personal stuff. I just checked. We'd also done a half an hour for the game stuff. So we had been at an hour, which was what you called. And so I went long. But we're back now, folks. And Jen is ready to answer her question after closing her very successful Facebook sales show. And uh, Honey Pie, Joseph and Melanie want to hear what is so appealing about RV living and uh, what insights do you have and uh, what you liked about it, and also why was Alaska chosen? Did you coordinate the vacation? Okay. Go. So there are some questions that are easier to answer than others. Well, so in whatever order you like. We chose Alaska because my sister and her family have been wanting to get up there forever. Ever. I think that's her husband's number one destination. So. I am so shocked he hadn't been there before. I know. He certainly acted like he owned the place. He seemed to know everything <laughs> about everything. <laughs> He's a very wise and smart man. There I'm you very go. good at researching. There you go. Okay. So anyway, um, they had decided to go up for two weeks, and they were going to rent a big um, motorhome, like a, what was it, 32, 34, I 36? believe it was a 35, or a 35 or 36, yes. Something like that. A big motorhome, um, because they have two kids. And the kids are, the, these people are giants. They're all 6'2 and above, except for my sister, who is my size. 5'3", probably. Uh, I think she's 5'2". Okay. I am a slight, tiny bit taller than she is. But anyway, oh. um, so her husband and children are are all above six feet. So anyway, they got a big motorhome. Mm-hmm. And they went, they because of the kids' school and because of um, her work schedule and stuff, they, that was when they could go. So we were, we kind of thought, ooh, we'd been wanting to try a motorhome. We never had. We had a little camper van type thing in England, which wasn't actually even a camper van. It was just something that had one of those lids that lifts up so you could sleep up in the roof. The pop tops, yes. The pop tops. Yeah, it didn't have a stove or a 
you know, cabinetry or any of that stuff in there. Mm. <clears throat> so we were really interested in just giving that a try. And we thought, what better way to um, have our maiden voyage than to have, go with somebody who has done a lot of... They've, they've always had trailers. So they, they hadn't been to Alaska, but they had done RV stuff before. Yeah, but not with a motorhome, but the kind of trailer that you pull behind a okay. truck. Yeah. Those kinds of... Um, okay. Whatever. So... Um, that's why we decided. We thought, well, I don't know that we want to spend two weeks up in Alaska. I, I certainly didn't want to drive like 3,000 miles around Alaska because for me, the appeal of RVing is that you tootle along for a little while until you find something you're interested in and you stop. And you do that thing and then you tootle along a little further until you find something else you're interested in and then you stop and you do that thing. Mm -hmm. And the awesome part is, of course, you've got your dogs in the car with you. So yes. you're not hankering for home not that we did on this trip no yeah unfortunately we couldn't take the dogs um that would have been probably expensive anyway to fly them up oh for a sure week. gosh but, yeah 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 um the rv company that we rented from said no pets mm. so okay. anyway that was why we decided on alaska was because they were doing it um and we went for sort of a and week. they were doing it just because it had been on their bucket list yeah and so we kind of went for a week in the middle of their two weeks and um we we just wanted to be on the Kenai Peninsula because that looked like there was a lot to see and do there. And so that's what we did is we just stayed on the Kenai Peninsula. Okay. And the really nice thing was we had, so we both had our own rig and the campground that we stayed at, actually you forfeited your space unless you left your rig or a tent yes. or a car. Which they were very surprised by. They had not seen that before. That Most of the campsites we went to, they were... First come, first serve. Yep. You couldn't reserve spaces. And as as if if you did not have at least a tent, something as big as a tent set up there, as soon as you left, anybody else could come and take it. Uh, which was very weird. Yeah, which was which was apparently. Weird. Because normally you pay your, your site fee for however many days you're gonna be there, and then you put a little piece of paper on the little gate posty thing that's next to your site, and it just says how long you've paid for and you But know. not in Alaska. Well, There's not in this squatter rights in Alaska, well, apparently. No, and apparently in this one particular campground that we were No, at. because that was the way it worked. Was it only there? I thought it was working that way in other places, too. Or no, maybe it was, maybe it was only. That was the was that, that was one. that was Hidden Lake Campground, which is the one we stayed at the longest. We stayed there three nights. Four nights, I think. All right. But anyway, so that way it was really good because we had two rigs. We could leave our rig Yeah, without there. losing our space. Yeah, without losing our space, which was a great space. It was a double space, so we could park, you know, with our doors facing each other in one campsite. So it was it was ideal. I mean, you couldn't have planned it better, really. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then, then the better thing was that they had this huge rig. We had a, what, 26 or something? And something they had a 36 like or yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And so they had lots of seatbelts in theirs, and we only had, what, four seatbelts, I think, in ours? Mm -hmm. So we couldn't have taken everybody safely in our rig anyway. Yeah. So we all just caravaned in theirs and went off and did all of the day excursions and stuff. And that was really nice because we got to play games with the kids on the kitchen table while we were going down the road. Mm -hmm. And it was just nice to have good family time together. Yep. I think. And Ron loves to drive. He loves, 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 loves driving. Ron is your brother-in-law. My, Ron's my brother-in-law. And I don't particularly like driving. Although, I mean, it's fine, but... you did all the driving of our rig. I did very, very little. I drove it off of the lot when we first got it and down to the local Costco. And then you said, oh, I'm just going to test in this Costco because it's a big empty parking lot. And then you just didn't stop driving. Uh, the only time I drove again was one, <laughs> the last campground we stayed at had a very, very tough parking situation, very tight. And so you got out of the driver's seat and let me do the tough parking, 
15 step uh, <laughs> turn, the 15 yeah, point turn to yeah, 15 the... point turn to park in that one spot but yeah so that was really nice and i would say the reason i drove most of the time is well normally i drive anyway mm-hmm. um but also you have been trained by the u.s postal service yes to drive big vehicles and i haven't yeah. so it was nice just to get me a bit more comfortable with that Mm-hmm. So that's why Alaska was chosen. Um, I didn't coordinate it. Ron did all of the planning and the sorting out, which was awesome because I normally have to do all the research and the planning. Mm-hmm. So it was. You don't so... have to. You can just go and see what happens. That's what I say. Well, you know, we have had a couple of those kinds of holidays, and they've been bongo holidays, our mm-hmm. little camper van holidays, yes. where we just get in the car and we yes, go. Yes, we just go and see what happens. There's and no it's reason so to relaxing. This is what I'm saying. Oh, my gosh. You don't have to stress over planning every little thing. Well, I normally have to stress over planning every little thing. Mm-hmm. Because we're flying there, and we've only got so much time, and we want to make sure there's, so, you know, stuff gets done. So I say you just roll into town, you go <laughs> look at whatever brochures there are, and say, oh, let's just do these three things, and that's it. That's my. That's the way I live my life. This is the way he lives his life, you guys. Yes. This is, as you can see, but a anyway, little frustrating that gets, for those of us who like to plan ahead. That observation, I would think, dovetails into this question, what was so appealing about this trip to you? Yeah. So, that was what was great, is Ron took care of all of it. Basically, we flew there. They met us. They showed us where the Costco was. You know, we but, bought some stuff. We fo- basically followed them to the first campground. They'd, they'd sorted everything out. It was awesome. Right, but there was nothing to sort. We could have just as easily gotten off the plane, gotten in the car, and just drove. And we would, I mean, the campgrounds we went to were like, well, they're first come, first serve. The first one we stayed at, um, was it like Sunrise? Camp? I forget what Hope. the name of it, it was. It was Hope. Yeah, or, yeah, it was near Hope, and they, they couldn't book there. So we just showed up and hoped we'd find one, and we found some spaces. Yeah. And, uh, and it was fine. And, you know, the, uh, and that was the case for, <clears throat> well, remember the second one we left fairly yeah. early in the morning. My point is every place we went, we could have just shown up. We did not have to spend weeks and weeks planning. We, we, um, the, the, the coolest thing we did, the glacier trip, Yeah. we booked it the day before it, it's, true. I'm just trying to point out there is a different way to live one's life. And that kind of is like, I thought the whole point of RVing. Yes, I agree that it is. Once you're there and and you're in the the flow of it. <laughs> Was it difficult for you to get in the flow of it? If you I mean, that's the question. I mean, the whole point of this is travel and vacations are very stressful because you're like, oh, we have to do all these things. We only have so much time and we booked all these things. And we have to be here and there and the and it's like I, that, that is never really sat right with me. My attitude has always been, well, let's just go to a place and see what happens. And whatever happens, happens. And that's not a, we were, this was kind of a hybrid version of that because yes, Ron had done a lot of planning, but most of his planning was for their week. When we actually got there, I mean, it was like every evening you and Becky saying, well, do we want to go to this place or that place? And I'm like, well, let's just drive there. And when we get there, we'll see what's there. And it's, we didn't book a single thing in, Whittier, other than the Glacier Tour, which we'd booked the day before. We didn't book a single thing in Hope. We didn't book a single thing in... Seward or Seward Homer. Or Homer. We just went. Yeah. And we just found a place to park, and we got out, and we looked around, and we saw stuff. And there was oh. no pre-planning at all. Yep. And because Becky wanted to go up to the Cook Park Reserve or whatever, we were walking along the beach, and we talked to those people with a dog who told us where the good, yeah. the good beach was for glass finding. Mm-hmm. 
if you wanted to find glass, which we didn't, but we found lots of pretty rocks. Yes. So, I mean, my point is, to answer Joseph's question, I would think that that is what is so appealing to you. Yes. Uh, but you're, you're not saying it. Well, he said... I, I feel like I'm having to make you say no. that what's so appealing about this is it lets you, you know, unburden yourself from the shackles of what travel has always been for you. Okay. A, a relatively high-stress process. Well, up till now, yes. travel has been going to a destination and doing what was at the destination. Mm-hmm. Other than our bongo holidays. Our bongo holidays have been, you get in the car and you just go and you tootle along until you find something. Yes. To do. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that mm-hmm. very much. But that is why RVing is so cool. Or, I guess, camper vanning. Mm-hmm. That, yes. But his question is, interest in traveling across the country in an RV. I don't really want to travel across the country in an mm-hmm. RV. Mm-hmm. I want to do some stuff that's fairly nearby because uh, the United States is huge and there is a huge amount of space between each coast. And I think the interesting Yeah, stuff but you don't drive from, which, from one coast to the other in one day. I know. You drive, you, you spend one day driving, you end up in a new place in the same state or a different state, and then you stay there for a week. Right? That's the point. Yeah, I hope so. What, what, what else would it be? I don't know, just being in the middle of somewhere like Texas that you don't really want to spend a lot of time in. But that's where you you wouldn't go there. Well, Texas is sort of you go you go to Sedona. You'd go. Well, I did like Sedona. right. I mean, there there are plenty of places, and you and from Sedona you would go to the Grand Canyon, and you drive across the you drive through the Grand Canyon. You you completely ignore Texas if there's nothing in Texas you want to do. I mean. There'd be plenty of things. You could totally... I mean, and you end up in New Orleans, and you um, go up to Maryland. And um, and b- along the way, you take a side swipe and uh, spend a week in the Colorado Rockies. Well, you are driving all over the place. I, well, that's the point. <laughs> you are, because you the, the point is that your life becomes a permanent vacation... Aerosmith, uh, in that you, yeah, he says, well, well, let's let's go, let's do uh, Colorado for a few days. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some place we can stay there. It'll probably be a bit more expensive than this place over here where we're in Utah right now. But, you know, hey, we did Salt Lake City and that was awesome. Um, let's do something else now. And it's just, well, do you want to go north or south? I, I, that would, to me, that's the point. Yeah. And, that, and America is literally made for this. I know you keep talking about, oh, we should really do it in Europe. Europe is not made for it. Europe is completely uh, crisscrossed with Roman era cartwheel tracks that have been turned into modern day roads um, that are a nightmare to drive with a tiny little European car. And, um, yeah, cause there's not enough room for oncoming traffic, let alone an actual RV. So I'm, I'm, we're working this out as we go, folks. I'm surprised that you're like balking at, well, let's live in an RV for a few years, like your folks did, and just go all over the place. Yeah. Because it sounds like you're stepping, you sounds like you're stepping back from that now. Now that we are two weeks returned home. I. And that's fine. I mean, it's a huge thing for me to to. I guess get on the road full time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel a bit of resistance to that. Maybe because I like everything I've got here at the house. I sure. like my chickens. I like my glass stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is a nice area. You to can't live take in. the chickens on the road. That is true. You don't think we can just maybe affix them to the back of the RV and let them? Nope. But I imagine there are all kinds of chicken destinations <laughs> from coast to coast, <laughs> and fresh eggs to be had. I am certain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yes. 
So, but anyway, at the, as of this moment, you have no interest in traveling across the country in an RV. Not across the country. Okay. It's a long freaking way. As I was trying to say, I don't particularly enjoy long drives. Right, but it's not a long drive. It's a series of short drives. Yeah, I know. So, you do know that, but you be, just keep saying you don't want to do it. There's going to be a huge part in the middle of the country that is a big, long part to get to the interesting stuff on either coast. I'm sure there will be interesting stuff along the way that you've just never heard of. I hope so. There's interesting stuff everywhere. Yeah, I know. And this is the thing is you don't know about it until you get there. I, yes. Yeah. And there's interesting stuff everywhere. I'm sure there's interesting stuff in North Dakota. I'm sure there is interesting stuff in Nebraska. Uh, it's just... We just have to go there and find it. But anyway, sorry, that's this was you answering the question. I'm just uh, cross-examining you because yeah. I, you really seem to have changed your tune. Two weeks ago, you were ready to buy an RV. On the flight back here, you were ready. Okay, well, maybe we should go out and look. Uh, you know, and, and you were having me look up when's the next RV show that's near us. Yeah. And you seem two weeks later to say, I don't know, maybe driving just around here kind of a thing. So, as as the dream come and gone? I wouldn't say it's come and gone. I just think maybe I've gotten a little bit more realistic and that we can't just take off right this minute for a year. We can. We can't. Yeah, we can't. I feel like we need to be around for Dad. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, of course. Yeah, your father. That is true. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. we can't, right? Mm -hmm. this well, yeah, of course. No, I mean, yeah, that's a given, yeah. So. But that's the other point, too. Right now, to visit your dad takes us, it, it, all told, about four hours of driving there and back. Yep. If we had an RV, we could go spend several days with him. We yeah. could, you know, that would give us the freedom to do that kind of stuff, too, without the, um, you know, I mean, so there, even, even there, there are reasons to do it. Oh. Yeah. Jen is going to let the dogs in, folks, which means the whole show is going to fall apart as they start knocking over cameras and whatnot. Every time Daisy comes in here, she breaks something. <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> she does. She's lovely. Anyway. She loves us. So, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Melanie and uh, Joseph and Jen. I know this was, wanted to hear Jen's perspective, and I, I want to hear her perspective, too. And like I said, I just in the course of this conversation, I am very surprised. It was not the perspective I expected since the last time I talked to her about this. It, she was a in a radically different place. And I, that's okay. I suppose I've just gotten back to my life here and it's mm -hmm. sucked me in. Mm -hmm. All right. So we will not be buying an RV in the next year, then it sounds like. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. All right. But I would say right now I don't feel at liberty to take off for a, a year in an RV. Okay. Nope. Then I guess that, is, unless you have something more you would like to opine about, the what it uh, appeals to you about the experience. I like the tootling along and seeing what we find mm -hmm. happening into things. Because yep. there's loads to see, and you'll never find it in guidebooks. You just have yeah. to, you just have to be there. And see, that's my point. That could literally be your life. I know. I'm not saying I don't want that. I'm just saying that right this second. Okay. All righty. And do you have any other further insights into RV travel and living and what you liked about it? Because um, we've mostly really just kind of focused on one thing, the freedom aspect and all that. But what else? And by, for that it token... It's nice to have a toilet in my car. I was going to say, yes, you were <laughs> very excited about that. So I pulled over 
And Alaskan said, I don't have to hold it. Mm-hmm. I could just pull over here in this perfectly safe spot. Jen has a relatively small bladder. Oh. She, uh, you know, <laughs> going to the bathroom on a fairly regular basis is a, is a is something we have to plan our lives around. <sighs> it, it's, it's it's fine. People have bladders. You don't have to be ashamed. <laughs> but it's true. So, I mean, that was something that was very cool, too. Anything else? Um... Okay, then the interrogation has come to a close, and we move on to the next question. From Top. Top is back. Mm, Although it's not a question, he just wanted to mention that Jen's glass is awesome. Oh, thank you. That was his first thing. Then he continued. Uh, Like you, my favorite game is Pandemic, and Jen's Pandemic Virus sculptures have seen two playthroughs of Legacy Season 1, a playthrough (laughs) of Season 2, and Top is trying to organize a group to tackle Zero. Plus, my kids are old enough to play Pandemic and, of course, love the sculptures. So, uh, there will be a new generation enjoying them. Thank you again for enhancing our gaming experience. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, So, folks, uh, you can go to uh, GamerGlass.art and pick up a set of Pandemic viruses and Pandemic Hero tokens. So, you, too can have <laughs> memories that last a lifetime, let's say. All right. Generations worth. There you go. But anyway, so that was it for the personal questions, uh, except for that one spoiler, which we'll get to in a second. But um, we always have to end with Jen's words of wisdom. What are your words of wisdom this month, Honey Pie? Well, this actually dovetails very nicely into the RVing question. Okay. how What a cool winky dink. Yes. Uh, this is... Nobody knows who said this, but... Um, it was on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So the best portion of your life will be the small, nameless moments you spend smiling with someone who matters to you. Oh, that 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 is that is lovely. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, yes, you're right. That is, it's like it's like you planned this. I know, but it was not. You just you because you sent this to me. Like I don't know. I think you sent this to me before we left for Alaska. Actually. <laughs> Alrighty, cool, cool, cool. Last thing, we have some dog pictures. From Melanie, this is a picture of Kaipo, who is now 19 months old and a whopping five pounds. (laughs) Like she's got a donut. Uh, uh, Kaipo loves the donut. Oh, what a cutie bo-booty. That is quite the cutie. Nigel, of course, is back with Charlie and Skye enjoying the pond. Excellent. I like a wet dog. Yep. Oh, look. Yep. Action pose. Very exciting. Is that fake grass that they've got going into their pond? Kind of looks like it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Very nicely done. Okay, and then finally, Tanya says, I have attached a picture of my dog and a couple of memes for Jen and I. This is... Oh, I don't have the name of the dog. Oh, it's a cute dog. It's a cute little dog dog? in real grass. What kind of dog? I'm going to call it a mutt. I don't know what to call it. Okay, well, let us know. A terrier of some sort, right? Sure. Hmm. But here come the memes. There's two types of people in the world: those who love board games and those who didn't get, who didn't play the right game yet. Ah. That's nice. And then finally, once upon a time, there was a girl who really loved dogs. That was me. The end. <laughs> All right. That could be me, except it'd be dogs and chickens and one duck. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. They almost got you right. Okay, and then finally, quick spoilers, Honey Pie. How did you like Obi-Wan Kenobi, the uh, show? This is the first one you watched. You did not watch Mandalorian or Boba Fett. You had no interest in those. But because you like Ewan McGregor, you did watch Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts? And also, I liked that Leia was... 
Eight. Yeah, okay, my bad, folks. We are oh. a total spoiler town now. Remember, you, you could have left. Uh, there was our first spoiler. Uh, but before we go any farther, if you haven't watched yet and you plan to, we are going to be total, um, full spoilers ahead. So uh, be gone with thee if you're worried about that, and we'll catch you next month. But otherwise, honey, pray continue. You liked, uh, you and McGregor, you also liked young Leia. I liked that Leia was a prime Yeah, character. baby baby Leia instead of baby Yoda. No, it's well, it's, I know. She wasn't a baby, of course, but it's just like, hey. She was hey. an incredibly mature young lady, mm -hmm. I have to say. I don't Except I would... for when they didn't want her to be because they needed to create artificial stakes. I'm thinking specifically of the second episode when oh, yeah. she'd been incredibly wise beyond her years, and then she spends the entire second episode just being a total idiot. For no reason other than to just make things difficult for Obi-Wan. Um, yeah. But anyway, go on. Okay. I, I'll go on a great length, but I'll let you go on first. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was pretty good on the whole. Mm -hmm. um, I I thought it was a little bit weird that Obi-Wan was so weak at the beginning, and mm -hmm. he regained his strength pretty mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. But he seemed like he really, really, really was artificially weak um, as a plot point. And I didn't, I didn't think that jived. Oh, I did. I mean, I was, I thought that was one of the biggest. That that was the biggest strength of the show, actually, uh, for for my taste. Uh, you know, the fact that I mean, you have to remember, at the beginning of the movie, he is a broken man because while they didn't deal with it in the prequels, from his perspective, literally millions of deaths are on his hands. He could have stopped all of it. Yeah, by killing. Yeah, by by stopping Anakin, and he couldn't bring himself to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, but and that is a thing that seems to continue on and on. Nobody kills anybody <laughs> important. Well, all uh, of the the crappy people. The question killed. the question will come to that uh, particular point too. Okay. But um, you know, I mean, where he was at the beginning of the show. I mean, the whole show is basically trying to create a transition from end of prequels to a new hope when he is. Alec Guinness, and he's in a fairly good mood and a fairly chipper chap, even though at the end of The Phantom Menace, he basically bore the responsibility for the death of the Republic, him personally. Uh, and, you know, and so I, I thought that was actually very appropriate, you know, that he was broken. He had, I mean, he was pretty much just going through the motions. Yes, I'm supposed to watch over the kid. And, you know, Owen called him out with the, well, so are you going to, you know, I mean, you're not going to help this one Jedi, but you're going to train him. Are you really going to do that? I mean, there was actual genuine inconsistency because he realized, well, I, I don't know if I can do this. I tried it before, and look what happened. Uh, yeah, but I, but I'm still, I'm honor bound to do this. You know what? I'm just going to chop up fish guts and uh, and just try to lay low, and um, you know, because this is all my fault. And I thought that was actually very interesting, and him getting pulled back into the game uh, because of the uh, peril of Leia was absolutely brilliant. I did, while the young actress, I don't think, I think she was basically at a Jake Lloyd level. Uh, you know, he played young Anakin, yeah. in that she did an okay job, but not a great job. Um, but she, she was fine. She was fine. Um, and really, as much as anything else, it was the subject matter that was given to her. Uh, you know, there, there were definitely ups and downs. I mean. The dialogue was so trite. I mean, in the first episode, when I am literally saying lines, you go too far, first sister. You don't go far enough. Yeah. I mean, I literally said that in my head before she said it. Or, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for your help. I didn't do it for you. I mean, that's just like, that, that's like video game writing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and that was like a common problem throughout. But 
Ewan McGregor was fantastic, um, and the journey he personally goes on. I did think Reva was an interesting villain, um, you know, a former youngling who, I mean, again, spoilers, folks, uh, you know, who was on a path for revenge, and it turns out, oh, surprise, not revenge against Obi-Wan, um, although it's perfectly reasonable for him to assume that because he blamed himself for everything, but, uh, but you know, revenge against Darth Vader, and, I, you know, one of the cool... To, you know, to counteract some of the coolest lines, um, wait, you're not hunting me. You're hunting him. That was cool. No, and you're not bringing me to him. I'm yeah. bringing him to you. That was good stuff. Yeah, that was good stuff. And uh, that made me feel like Obi Wan had the had the sauce. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because he he was he was back on the horse. So yeah, that was. I mean, there uh, over it was by far the best Star Wars show by far. Uh, and while I did have some little complaints about it. Uh, on the whole, it was definitely a journey worth going on. Um, but now David has specific questions. So why didn't Vader just kill Reva? Um, this felt like a Batman original series where the uh, hero set up for a painful death and the villain just leaves, allowing Batman to escape. Um, I think a contemporary series is aimed for adults should do better than that. The only reason I could think of is so that Reva can have her own series. I'm sure that's true. But you know what? I didn't bump against that at all. The way I looked at that moment... Vader just didn't care. I mean, he didn't care for that entire fight. It was so lopsided. You know, as soon as she made her move that she had waited years to do, and she actually worked with Obi-Wan to make it possible, and she made her move, and Vader just instantly stopped her and said, yeah, I've known you were doing this for years. There's no surprise here at all. And he fought her the entire fight with literally one hand tied behind his back. He, I mean, he, he didn't tie his hand, but he was just, well, I'm just got me you know, You're no threat to me yeah, he at sort of all. Slaughtered away, yeah, he literally, uh, she was a child to him. And, uh, yeah. And, was, she didn't attack at the right time. If she'd attacked him when he was trying to hold back that ship as it was leaving, I think that would have been a far more appropriate time. I don't think she wasn't there, though. I'm sure she would have if she could have, but she wasn't there. So she tried to do it afterwards. And, um, yeah, I mean, Vader just didn't care. Uh, either. Didn't care because she wasn't a threat, and I mean, and the the the, the former head who came back, I mean, he didn't do it because he was still angry that she gut stabbed him, and uh, so he wanted her to suffer. He wanted her to die the slow and painful death that she left him to die. I mean, as you say, Reva, she was left to die a slow and painful death. Vader didn't care. Vader, she was so beneath him and so not a threat that it was it wasn't worth a second thought to him. And the other guy. Uh, the Grand Inquisitor, you know, was like, oh, good, just desserts. I'm happy with that. So to me, that made perfect sense. Uh, I didn't bump against that at all. But then, David continues, and why didn't Kenobi kill Vader when he had the chance again? The atrophy of of Kenobi's Jedi skills uh, sure did come back quickly. Uh, Again, I mean, he had them all the time. It it wasn't that his skills had atrophied. His confidence in himself had atrophied. And it was the fact that Leia was able to come around and believe in him allowed him to believe in himself. I mean, and again, that's the good stuff. And, of course, he did not kill Vader because he saw Anakin's face. He couldn't do it. He simply couldn't do it. I mean, it's not just, again, three times. Three times he's faced off against Vader. Because you have to bear in mind, they are literally... He said it in um, Revenge of the Sith. You are my brother. I can't I can't kill you, my brother. I, I can't. Uh, you know, so I, 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 I can't bring myself to do what I need to do. And for the second time, he couldn't do it. And then in A New Hope, he couldn't do it again when they faced off the third and final time. And that's when he realized, okay, this is just going to keep happening. I have to. I have to let it go. 
I have to be the. I have to let you kill me. I have to let you finish your journey, um, so that you know ultimately things will play out as they did. Because now it's all about Luke. But um, yeah, I mean, to me that made perfect sense because they were literally brothers. They'd been through so much. I mean, they they had grown together. He was like a son and a brother at the same time. How could he do it? Could you kill your sister if she were bad? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that's the point. I think it's easy for us to say because we have the grander knowledge of having seen everything. Don't forget, Obi-Wan Kenobi has been a hermit, you know, chewing up fish guts for the last 10 years. He's really not that plugged in. He does not know uh, the full extent of the atrocities of what's been going on. And, you know, in the face of the fact that, oh, I, I literally see your face. And I'm not filled with anger. I'm filled with despair because, I mean, he's coming face to face with the fact that I failed you. And he said, no, I, you didn't kill Anakin. I killed Anakin. Um, you know, gets him... I mean, it puts him in a weird place and not a place where he's able... He just can't do it. He cannot kill his brother. And, uh, yeah, and yes, a lot more people will suffer and die because of it. Um, but he doesn't know that. He hasn't seen A New Hope like we have. <laughs> um, nor has he seen, um, you know, the full sweep of, I don't know, Star Wars Rebels, whatever other shows there are that exist. Uh, he just knows, I, I have the chance to do it again. And just like before, I could have done it before... But I couldn't, and I can't do it now. And when they meet each other for the third and final time, he won't be able to do it again. Because he never would be able to do it. I mean, to me, that's pure total consistency and solid storytelling. I, I, I didn't have a problem with that at all. Because I believe the groundwork had been laid um, in the prequel series, which I'm a huge fan of. Alrighty. Uh, and David says, Is it too much for these to make sense anymore? To me, made total sense. I had other quibbles about the show. Uh, but in general, how did you like the series? Honey, in general, how did you like the series? Um, did I change your mind at all? Probably not. Well. Well. I liked it, I think. Uh, definitely the best of the Star Trek things I've seen. So, yeah. Star Wars um, things, yeah. Star Wars mm -hmm. things, yeah. Um, yeah. Still a lot of fighting and killing. Mm-hmm. It is a Star War. Okie doke, folks. That was spoiler time. And now we're truly, truly done. And uh, once again, thanks uh, for showing up, everybody. And hopefully you enjoyed the show. And we'll uh, see you again next month, presumably, if the sponsor thing works out. I have yet to figure that out yet. I'm waiting to hear back. <laughs> uh, maybe all this or not, and we won't actually put this anywhere. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure something out. But as always... Questions to questions at raw.com, including spoiler-filled ones if you like. And uh, we will see you again and talk to you again uh, next month, everybody. So long. Uh,